A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. The number one selling product of its kind with over 20 years of research and innovation. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. Supercoach Edge for the Round 24 review and, well, a very early 2024 yeah. preview. Well, Em, that's a wrap. Mm. Season 2023 comes to a close. And it was a season that will go down as one of the most difficult of recent times with seemingly more injuries than normal. And, of course, the rate of suspensions going through the roof, courtesy of the AFL's contentious, dangerous tackle. Of course, throwing a further spanner in the works. But, Liam, we can finally say it. Those glorious words, we made it. We did. We did. I don't reckon. I mean, I don't know. I, I did just go through my injury count and trades this year and it was pretty high, but I feel like last year was worse for me at least. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah but, you're totally right for you. But that being said, I've just gone through and counted them. I don't reckon it was. <laughs> I reckon it was maybe not on par, but it was yeah. still pretty bad. This year was definitely I, pretty bad. I kind of forgot how bad your like injury curse was last season. Um, but as, if anything, was it a silver lining? Because all you would have thought that it, it kind of gave you a bit of, um, I don't know, heads up and experience maybe to, to know what to expect. Did it, did it give you a sort of a, you know, once bitten twice shy type thing? Um, Every season different though, isn't it? You yeah. See, of... I think I'll touch on, I'll touch on my learnings and I will preface that I did say that I didn't take much out of last season purely because I was just constantly just trading for for um, injuries. So I felt like I couldn't really have that many learnings that came out of last year, but we'll touch on that a bit later. Yeah. Um, but yeah, definitely been a tough year. Suspensions have been the big one. I think I've avoided it on the most part. Like I haven't been too badly hit when I was looking at it before, but um, definitely something we have to consider. I mean, I don't know. You can't even consider it going forward. It's just, it is what it is. Mm. Yep, it's just the uh, we, we'll just blame the supercoach gods again for yeah. for smiting us for for doing nothing untoward apart from taking the piss out of our good old uh, our sort of tech overlord in Elon Musk, um, mm. who uh, has yet to ban ban us on uh, on on Twitter slash X. I reckon he's probably going to uh, 
put a hit out on us for every time that we mention Twitter, just because he's trying to rename it, rebrand the whole thing as X. Uh, but anyway, now Liam, of course, this is the season finale. So mm. we'll be dedicating the first part, at least of this episode to reviewing the season that was, of course, how our teams finished up assessing the best and worst trades mm. we made across the season. And as you mentioned, our key learnings, and takeaways heading into 2024. Following that, we'll be turning our attention to what presents us in 2024, pinpointing a handful of players we're already looking at as potential starting picks. And Liam, mm. I do recall it was this time last year you highlighted your boy, oh, Errol, Errol Goulden, Errol. as a potential breakout Love candidate. Him. So I'm looking forward to seeing if you have another gem to unearth. I've been thinking. I've been thinking. I've been gazing longingly into the crystal ball, but I do have, yes, uh, I won't, I won't claim this. Um, well, I'll touch on it when we get there. Um, oh. Not necessarily a player, but sort of a bit of a formula that I think we can look at to kind Ooh. of assess um, who these breakout players could be next season. Uh, before we get there, let's talk about socials. If you're not following us already, it is where we paste, post the latest news, which is going to be a, a hell of a lot less uh, relevant at this stage. But it'll be very relevant next season. And across the trade period, I reckon, trades are another big factor that we need mm. to consider um, for our Supercoach teams. Um, new new opportunities, you know, new roles, all that kind of stuff. Uh, the, well, not necessarily the post-match Supercoach scores. We do post them, but uh, I could be saying anything about that in a while. But we will be posting the odd meme or two should anything arise. And so you can find us on our socials at these handles on Twitter or X at supercoach underscore edge at Damon at sorry, Damon at, at Damo J 88, myself at, at Liam Evans underscore 95 Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, search supercoach edge, and you'll find us there. Very nice. And um, of course, a bit of a segue as well uh, to something we're going to announce at the back end of this episode, a uh, bit of a, you know, talking about unearthing things and juicy morsels and stuff. That is a bit of a treat uh, for those people uh, that have been tuning in throughout the season. And uh, some people have reached out asking us what we're going to be doing beyond uh, the Supercoach season. Will we have a treat up our sleeves? Treat. A little ace up the sleeve. Absolutely. So uh, we'll be unearthing that uh, when the time comes at the back end of this episode. But first, Liam, let's jump straight into it by kicking things off with our usual recap. With a spin, of course, in The Good, The Bad and The Ugly. As you'd know, if you are a regular around these parts, uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly is when we roll through some of the notable and the more forgettable performances across the round. But this week, this time, this week, this this episode, whatever you want to, however you want to look at it, we'll be making assessments on those that fall into the three categories based on their season performance as a whole across twenty twenty three. So this isn't isn't looking at you know this week alone. It's no. looking at yeah, the 24 games that have led to the end of the season. Very Damon, nice. Well, uh, let's, let's kick, kick it off with the good, of course. And uh, can't look no further than this. I mean, there's a couple of players in each of these categories as well. Uh, so it was kind of hard to narrow down. But I think by far and away, when we're talking about cash cows and the best cash cow, mm. in terms of you know appreciation in cash, but also scoring-wise, we can't look past this guy. It is Harry Sheasel. She's nuts. He was by far and away the best rookie of 2023. Probably in recent memory, I reckon. Not only did his price increase to the tune of 363.2K, he also finished as the seventh best scoring defender and forward yeah, well. and average 99.5 across the season with a five-round average of 111 
and a three-round average of 128.3 to close out the season, if you don't mind. An incredible performance from a first-year player, and he gets the full honors here as the best rookie, hands down. He's just been incredible. Like I remember I actually wasn't going to select him in my starting team, in all honesty, and it was only because Will Phillips wasn't selected back in round one. And I rejigged things. Elliot Yo uh, got injured, Ooh. didn't select him. Um, McLean wasn't selected. So I rejigged things and worked him in. And it's so funny looking back now. I actually had him on the bench in round one, and I wasn't able to net his big score first up. So that hurt me. But boy, he uh, more than made up for it uh, after then. So incredible performance by Harry Shizzle. I do want to say, I remember talking, we were talking about this. I, actually, I specifically remember this. You saying, do I trade in a uh, a non-loophole? Uh, oh, not yes, playing of course. Loophole to get Sheasel score. And, I mean, we all know that I'm personally not a big fan. Uh, but uh, I think we've, we've established that over the season. Um, <laughs> and so I was, I mean, I said, you know, you've got to do what you got to do. And I, I could see the logic of it. But, yeah, I just remember that. And I remember... Back then, I just thought, oh yeah, he's going to have this, you know, one or two good scores, but not be the, not be what 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 we got out of him. So just yeah. funny thinking back that yeah, we we're trying to figure out ways of getting his score on field, um, but not really knowing that that it was going to be the norm, the norm yeah, for him. Exactly, and that that was uh, of course not not using a trade because it was before the full lockout. Yeah, yeah, so you would have just rejigging yeah. my team, um, but I would have gobbled up a. Uh, I would have, sorry, fielded a donut player. And I think at the time I was looking at, uh, is it Josh Sin from Port, I think it was, mm, who yeah. actually didn't end up playing many games. So it would have been an absolute waste in reflection. And mm. again, um, with our collective minds, we uh, we ascertained that uh, it wasn't uh, the play to make. So uh, nonetheless, just glad that we had him because there were some people that didn't start him in their teams at all yeah. Yeah. Uh, and had to use a trade. But if they did, fully justified because um, he was a keeper in the end. Yep, agreed entirely. Um, absolutely love what we saw from Harry Sheasel. And, I mean, alongside Dacos, could be one that we consider next season as well if he keeps mm. that role. Um, yep. Still juicy. Um, let's move on to the other guy in the good. And oh, I'm ready to talk about this guy. It is Errol Goulden. I'm going to keep it short, though, because I feel like I've spoken about it, <laughs> spoken about Golden a lot this season. Are you sure? Um, there's, there's much more that you can say, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm, I'm sure I can find. <laughs> Look, I'll, I'll do a dedicated episode Yeah. Um, in the preseason next year about, about Golden. Uh, but anyway, in terms of players that did take a absolutely massive step up in their game, we have to consider Errol, and he probably takes the honours here, hands down, for that breakout player in 2023. After averaging 85.7 in 2022, he absolutely catapulted himself to an average of 111.3 with a five-round average of 121.8 and a 112.2 for uh, to round out the year. That's it's just, like, just incredible. And I was I was looking huge. back, I mean, mentioned, of course, you having made the call uh, this time last year, just because you're, you're virtually a super coach AFL scout. Um, and that's just sort of the other uh, talent that you exude. But exactly. I reckon you're a little bit better than him. He's just completely washed up. Got to get you on board, get you uh, in the, the Don's uh, um, war room. Mm. But uh, looking back at uh, the run sheet from this time last year, 
and we actually put together a bit of a a bit of a team, a bit of a look mm. ahead. Um, and you did mention Goulden, and he was under your players to watch, and I didn't even have him in there at all. Because I I'll admit I was a I was on the fence. I was like, Liam, are you sure? Are you sure about Goulden? Um, but uh, gee whiz, you uh, you had the eye for it uh, when it came to him. So incredible, incredible scenes. But uh, we might even hop back to uh, what our predictions were uh, once we get to that segment later in the episode, just reflecting back as to those guys we're looking at this time last year and see if any of those players we were looking at ended up being half decent. But mm. um, let's go into the bad, Liam. So uh, there was a few to pick here, of course, but probably none more so than uh, a, a guy who's been a bit of a mainstay in Supercoach over the years, and it is Jack McRae. So in 2022, we saw McRae's average drop from a 128.6 uh, the season prior to 115.2. But uh, 2023 marked a career low for the usual lock and low primo with an average of just 99.9. So couldn't even crack the uh, the old ton just to put salt in the wound. And uh, we thought McRae losing CBAs and being camped on the wing last year was bad enough. Well, it went to another level this year with just 33% CBAs across the season and actually three whole games where he was given 0% CBAs. And just for context, in 2022, he had 64% CBAs. And in 2021, he had 77% CBAs, which was the most of any dog's mid uh, that year. So it's really a fall from grace that indicates he is almost being phased out of the dog's engine room entirely and potentially the team itself, as uh, as crazy as that is to say. He'll be one to watch next season at a cheaper price. Very, very tempting. But at this point, if Bevo keeps his coaching job at the Dogs, you can almost guarantee McRae will continue to be Bevoed. Mm, agreed. I started him. Um, oh, you did too. I forgot about that. I started him, which it feels like a long time ago. Uh, but I was looking at his numbers in terms of stats. I mean, he's still averaging 25.3 disposals a game, which to me, I mean, like his career average is 28.5. So 25.3 isn't that far below his career average. But also for the position he's playing, I think that's pretty good. Like it shows that he still manages to to rack up the pill. Mm. Um, but to that point, like to your point there as well, Damon, is it's sort of I think it's what's most frustrating is like the coach – is playing him out of position for him um, and for his ability to be, um, sorry, his ability, like like for what, for what he can do. Yeah. And you just think that, like, there was games where why not throw him back into the middle and change up, you know, the structure and yep. and try and make, like, it's just, it's just Bevo, seriously. It doesn't bevoing, make... bevoing it up, as you said. Yeah. He's Bevoed quite a few players and uh, Bradley Smith's another one, another one as well, mm. who could actually even more so find himself in different team colors in 2024. And I'm actually quietly hoping um, that that happens because he's super talented. We we know how he burst on the scene, but he's just fallen off the rails. Um, but with McRae, 99.9 is actually his lowest average dating back to 2016, where he averaged 93.9. Um Every other year, um, especially yeah. from 2018 onwards, 127, 123, 121, 128, then down to 115 last year, and then a 99.9 this year. So just it's 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 sad to see because, yeah, as you said, he, he offers quite a bit. He's just being played in the wrong positions. And fancy being played as a high half forward. Like he is not blessed with 
um, like his speed. He's, he's mm. not endurance wise. He's good, but uh, sprinting speed. He's not very good. Uh, and we saw that last year when he was camped on a wing. As a winger, you have to have speed behind. You have to have some you know leg speed. Just, just perplexing stuff. And I'm sure doggy supporters tuning in would probably agree with us uh, with the way that Bevo Bevo's most of the doggies uh, side. Yep, agreed entirely. Now let's move on to the uh, the other bad that we've got for this season. And that is Jack Steele. I'm going to talk about him a bit later as well. So get ready. Uh, <laughs> but he is the other Jack. Both ba- both bads have been Jacks. Yeah. Um, and this Jack finds himself in the bad, mainly due to his failure to recapture his usual consistency as a sort of high floor, high ceiling player, but really that high floor. Um, you know, that he's been able to establish establish himself as is that player in recent seasons for Supercoach. Granted, he obviously did suffer that um, injured collarbone like he did in 2022, but he really struggled to bounce back um, after that. I mean, there was talk of him having like ankle and knee injuries and uh, I don't know. I feel like there was a lot of talk about Steele, but just I don't think he's ever looked 100%. But uh, uh, this year particularly. Um, but after averaging 126 and being the second highest scoring mid in 2021, he has averaged 101 point, sorry, 109.8 and now 94.8 over the last two seasons. It is a slight worry, but at an even cheaper price in 2024. Are we ready? Are we ready to to do it again? Are we are we jumping back on? Yeah, are you ready to be heard again? I know you want to say, Liam. He's, uh, he, he's been last last year was that was the first season really that he's that he's heard us when he's been at full flight uh, since being at the Saints. Mm. I mean, you can forgive him as you mentioned there, um, with the amount of niggles and stuff that he had, like breaking his collarbone. Fair enough. Um, but then all those other niggles was kind of worrying, like soft tissue. Apparently, it was a knee niggle as well at one stage. Um, yeah. ankle worries. It's just, I don't know. Is that creeping into his game now? He's been a pretty mm. durable type player apart from these, you know, busted bones and stuff, which you can't really avoid, but soft no. tissue wise, um, yeah, hasn't been concerned. too bad, but um, yeah, I don't know. Is it a redemption arc for next year? Can he come I don't back? Know. I hope so. I hope so. He's one of those. So he, I had a really good finish in 2020. I think I finished inside the top thousand. Um, and it was really off the back of steel. Like I jumped on steel just before he broke out and sort of became the mainstream pick that year. Um, so this is, this is a special place in my heart for steel, I have to say. Um, but so I do hope he comes back, but I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't think I can pick him. Like, I just think it's, I've been burnt by him this year. I've been burnt by him last year, I think. I think I had him last year. I don't even know anymore. Um, yeah, you did. You did. Because we, we but, both had him when yeah, he popped we did, his collarbone. Yeah. Um, like, I just don't know whether I could do it, even if he is super cheap. Like, and I think that was my thing this year is that I always didn't want to start him because he was super cheap. Uh, despite the fact that he was super cheap, I was kind of a bit worried about him. So, yeah, hopefully a redemption arc, but um, we'll have to see. I'd have to see something really amazing during the preseason. Yeah, he's... um. Well, going by, and we will get into this as well once we get to the uh, the segment where we're sort of gazing into the crystal ball and we're mm. forecasting here for 2024. But looking at uh, potential prices, 
he could be priced around about 522. So he's going to be one of the sort of cheaper prices in recent memory anyway. He's, he's going to tempt me. And I started with him this season, of course. Uh, you went the opposite side. We're kind of on the fence. We're both weighing up. Do we go for Jack Steele or do we go for Jack McRae? And it's hilarious that both of these guys have ended up in the bad. Uh, so either way, we uh, I think we're doomed from the start. But again, it was based upon the value of both of these guys. Um, and McRae was more so due, it was out of his control, uh, the way that he was being coached. Uh, and Steele was due to his, uh, yeah, sort of his, his issues with that, with fitness and everything. So mm. um, couldn't really foresee that, but is what it is. Yeah. Alrighty. So let's delve into our ugly. And uh, it's someone here that the person who finds himself here, really it isn't through any fault of his own uh, or in regards to his own performance. And it mm. is the pink sweaty pig <gasps> in Clary Oliver. Dun, dun, dun. But you have to have him here. And it's because of the perceived, I don't know if you want to call it mismanagement of his hamstring injury, probably the the mismanagement of the, um, just in terms of them being transparent first and foremost was ridiculous. Mm. Um, whether or not he re-injured it or if, you know, he wasn't being rehabbed correctly, we don't know. But it's that lack of transparency from the D's medical staff, which saw many owners hold on to him thinking his return was imminent. Imminent, As they said, they're like, oh, you know, I think Goodwin came out and said, oh, he's, he's a fair chance to play, uh, next week for the queen's birthday, whatever it was. And then mm. nope, was put off, was put off, was put off. And uh, all this other little info was coming out and it was Chinese whispers in the end, really. Um, but he ended up missing, believe it or not. And I couldn't believe it when I was looking back at the number of games that he missed 11 games. And Jeez. I know yeah. there was that yeah. point where he actually got injured. And we were talking at some length oh. about whether or not we keep him or we oh. trade him. And the only reason I traded him was because of the fact, and I probably should thank old man Fags for this, but because he dropped, uh, I think it was either Sharp or Dev Robertson. I can't recall who it was. And it meant that um, across the buys, I would have copped an extra zero that I couldn't afford to cop. Yeah, so wow. um, it was sliding doors moments there. Otherwise I probably would have kept kept him and uh, yeah, would have been suffering. But I do feel for those people that kept him for a fair while. Uh, yeah, it was crazy. 11 weeks. Even when you just said like, I don't know i've obviously got no context no uh no sense of of time here but when you were like yeah when early on they were like he'll be right for the queen's birthday match and i was like that was a long time ago yeah a long, like, long time ago that was a long time ago as you said 11 games that's huge i only played the last couple but like that's essentially half a season yeah exactly right that's, that's probably the easiest way to look at it and and contextualize it so uh Absolutely insane, but insane. Yeah, I got another, other... got another ugly here. I was going to say, there's probably a few other more uglies that we could put in there. So have you got one? But it's a special mention. It's not an ugly. Oh, okay. Um, It's the opposite. It's it's thanks. Oh, the thanks. It's, I think it's I said, thanks. said the beautiful, the ugly, bold, the yeah, beautiful. Okay, it's the beautiful. It's the beautiful. It is Campbell Chesser who oh. has remained in my side this whole season. Uh, for an average of about four. Um, Incredible. I just want to thank him for his constant support. He's like my yeah. team mascot. Yeah, he's virtual. I was going to call him a cheerleader um, with the pom-poms and everything, but yeah, mascot. We'll, we'll go with that. He went up across the, the course of the season, 82,000. Oh, that's uh, good. Should have cashed him in. $206,200 by the end of the season. Um. 
Oh, wow. But even, even more incredible, his ownership by the end of the season was 22.9%. So I think a lot of people were in your boat. And they're like, you know what? I, I don't have the traits to justify him. it. It'll be like Constable too, I guess. Constable would have been in, played the two games, did never went yep. up, and what is still in fifty three percent of teams. Oh wow, yeah. At least, at least he was he was useful in terms of having that DPP yeah. swing with the. Um, Chester had I suppose Chester was uh, a similar sort of thing, wasn't he, as a defending midfielder? Yeah. So he did serve a purpose to an extent, um, but incredible. Like I was one of the few that jumped off him back in coming out of round three. Uh, and his ownership was at 55.5% to start the season. Dropped down after round three when he got injured to 258 And then it's funny that like incrementally over the course of the season, it went yeah, down from just, 39.9. Yeah. Oh, sorry, 25.8 to 22.9. So people are like, stuff it. I'm just going to get rid of him. I'm going to bite the bullet. I'm going to cash him in for the $2 that he made. My favorite is just like round 21, round 22. He went down by 0.2%. <laughs> like there was just 0.2% of people were like, nah, that's it. He's out. This is it. Like just weird, like 0.3 in round 19 to round 20. Like why? Yeah. Anyway, uh, well, the, the, the week. Oh, he went 20th. up. He actually went up. He went up one week by 0.2%. Um, round 17 to round 18 after he scored an 80, uh, 55. Oh, you did too. Did scored too. a people 55. Like- People this is like it. His, it's turning around. Yeah, the um, wheel is turning. <laughs> it did not. Um, <laughs> it fell off more than anything. Bloody hell. But good on him. Down good to on one Chester. wheel. Down to good one on wheel Chester. and it fell off. Um, but incredible. I think people started jumping off. And you'll see there, you've got up on screen where round 20, he went down $200, 200 bucket, buckaroonies. <laughs> there was 3%, sorry, 0.3% of people jumped off. They're like, that's it. I've had enough. Yeah, that is... <laughs> I mean, I can't believe he jumped off in round three when he was only at 132. I mean, you've got to play the long game, Damon. There's an extra exactly. 80K, 70K there. That's so up. much cash to make. It would have saved me a trade in the end. Exactly. <laughs> at least that's an upside for you. Mm. Um, but anyway, uh, a bit of a segue, Liam, to our teams. And of yes. course, I was uh, one of the starting owners with him. But uh, as mentioned there, jumped off him, uh, thankfully. Rude. Uh, it was rude of me. Apologies to him. Um, but... In terms of how he performed in round 24, uh, so I ended up scoring, finishing the season with a score of 2,616. And the overall rank, the final rank overall was 981st. So I held on for a top 1K finish. Um, Although I did slide down uh, 154 spots, um, which, yeah, was partly due to uh, what I'm about to get into. So heading into this round, Liam, I was hopeful of rounding out the season with just one ounce of luck of playing a full team of primos for the first time all season. I knew that while she was going to return, it was up in lights, it was plastered all over the media. I'm like, finally, he's been out for four weeks, injured on my bench as a mascot, like Chess, a bit better. Mm -hmm. But such has been the bad luck of 2023. Doherty went out with a calf complaint that he played through. In the week prior, yeah, after copying a, a corky, as I said, so it meant that I had to rely on Chin Cotter's score of twenty six to cover for Doc, <laughs> which meant I was at least two primos down across the remaining five rounds of the year, with Dacos in every single one of those rounds, and either Walsh or Doherty being out. 
So mm. that really was a kick in the teeth there. Uh, whilst it didn't, uh, I, I didn't win any cash league grand finals. I still earned a tiny sum through prize money for being the highest ranked overall in three leagues and making the prelim in two. So it wasn't all for nothing at least. Yeah. Uh, but let's get into key learnings from 2022 that I applied uh, and my key learnings going into 2024. And then I'll throw to you, Liam. And then Ooh. we have a few rapid fire questions that we want to sort of uh, have a bit of a tennis match with back and forth and, and see how we fared. So key learnings from 2022 that I applied heading into this season. So my key takeaway from 2022 was in prioritizing and I guess how best to use boosts across the season. 2022, I ended up holding them uh, by and large, especially up until the buy period. And then I started using them. And then at that point, I found out that I was kind of too far behind the pack of those people that had used their boosts early on. Mm. So I went into the season with that mindset, use the boost earlier on to get a jump on the rest of the competition in terms of upgrading my team earlier than most, which worked a treat. This strategy, however, did come undone slightly, not through any fault of my own, but just due to the bad luck that we had with uh, more so injuries and those that I copped early rounds. So I had Steel, Doherty, LDU, uh, Jones, Jinby, and Chessa all in the first seven rounds, which meant it was a case virtually of a one step forward two steps back, having to make sideways trades to fix those injuries. So it meant that the upgrading of my side mm. was kind of um, stunted um, across those weeks where I wanted to sort of do the two down one up. But by and large, it worked well, but would have worked much better had luck been on my side. The second key takeaway from 2022 that I used this season was making sure to end the season with some depth on the bench in the mm -hmm. form of keeping the more reliable rookies as cover if need be. Mm. Trouble was, one of them, who looked super solid at one stage with consistent scores <laughs> ranging from a 60 to 80 in Seamus Mitchell, started being subbed late in the season and then eventually dropped. And I, I remember he got the uh, the Rising Star nomination in one of those weeks where he scored well. I'm like, well, here we go. He's going to keep his spot. Didn't happen. So thank you, Sammy Mitchell, for that. But on reflection, I should have traded him and probably kept Weddle, which I think you might have done, Liam. You kept Weddle. I did sleeves, do. Right? Yeah. So, I think slotting though... doors there. To that point, though, like it was, there was no reason to do that. Like I only kept Weddle, I think, because Mitchell potentially had been subbed off one week, and I was like, oh, okay, I'm going to go Weddle instead because Weddle still had a bit more cash to make as opposed to Mitchell. Um, but like, I think to that point, what I'm trying to say is probably a bit of a coin flip there. Like, I don't think you need to be too hard on yourself there. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things, isn't it, that you kind of, you try and read into things, you, you do it based upon how they're performing. And at that time, yeah. as I said, like Rising Star nomination was scoring well, was playing good. Um, it was getting raps in the media, but it just is what it is. Um, and I think probably part of the reason why I kept Mitchell Everweddle was just due to Mitchell's DPP. Yeah, it makes sense. it allowed me to swing him with Sheasel if need be on the opposing line. Um, Sheasel was by and large in defense. Mitchell was up forward. So... I didn't end up needing to use that DPP, but uh, provided a bit of flexibility there if I needed to do it. But yeah. uh, it didn't work in the end because um, even if I needed to use it, because Mitchell was dropped. Um, other than him, uh, the other guy that I kept uh, in terms of rookies was MJ, who Matt Johnson, of course, from Frio, who provided solid cover when needed in the mids, which I did uh, for a couple of weeks. Um, even uh, round twenty-three. Uh, sorry, it was it round? Yeah, round twenty-three when he scored. Uh, 70 odd or thereabouts. Um, 
Oh, sorry, yeah. 76 on the weekend, wasn't it? Just having a quick look back. No, it was 89, sorry, against West Coast. Round 22, he busted on 89. So uh, that was um, much needed. But the other one uh, that was covering me in defense was Chincotta, uh, who I said wasn't ideal. But the positive is if I didn't use this strategy of bench depth this season, where previous seasons I've gone more bare, I would have been left with multiple donuts to end the season with the likes of Dacos, Walsh, and Doherty, as I said, all getting injured after I ran out of trade. So mm. luckily, the theory of bringing in Hewitt with my last trade as a solid 23rd man helped at least cover Walsh. But before Walsh got injured and Doherty got injured, I was looking to use Hewitt as my swing man, um, potentially in line with Mills, and then swinging off Mills, uh, which might have helped as well because he scored a couple of uh, shit games there. Yeah. But um, yeah, those are virtually my key learnings uh, that I applied. Um, but uh, coming out of this season, Liam, and going into 2024, we're always learning. So the key learning from this season is probably just, I guess, tweaking my use of trades later in the season. Yeah. I did use the luxury upgrade of of day um, in round 11, which on reflection was probably way too early. But the only reason I did that is it afforded me to bring in both the red hot Sicily at the time and Merritt, who was to face North and the Eagles in those next two weeks. So it was partly justified as I no longer saw Day as a primo compared to Sicily and Mez. But if I had my time again, I reckon I'll probably do it all over again uh, because it afforded me those extra points uh, that Day, I guess, didn't post um, compared to those two guys there. Yeah. I do normally aim to have at least one to two trades heading into Supercoach Finals, but the sheer amount of injuries and suspensions cooked me this year to see me head into Supercoach Finals with absolutely donuts. So normally you'd aim to put aside six trades for injuries at a minimum, and I ended up copying nine forced trades, which threw out my balance. So for 2024, I will be trying to at least have, you know, it's easy to say now, but at least trying to have one to two trades minimum at that point of the season, as injuries always strike, as we know, and it did again this season. So even if bench cover is possible, um, as I experienced this season, you still need, you know, at least one to two trays at your sleeve. Um, but uh, as I said, Liam, uh, I'll pass the baton over to you um, and then we'll go into our sort of key metrics to assess both of our teams as more of a sort of year in review, yep. which we'll both run through um, and yeah, weigh up how we both went. Sounds good. So let's just jump in. So this week I scored 2,578 which did see me fall down the ranking slightly by 155 spots to sit 9,884th. So I did manage to sit inside the top 10K, which was, I want to say nice, but not. But yeah. I'm happy enough with it in the end. Looking at my side, went pretty well this week. Um, Weddle was my weakest in defense with a 69. All the others turned up. Uh, in the mids, Walsh and Hewitt were my lowest with a 90 and 84. Everyone else turned up. Um, Marshall and Briggs went well. Um, 99 for Briggs was obviously the lowest score in the rocks. And then in my forward line, Darcy Cameron was the biggest issue. Timmy Tranto with, sorry, with a 59. Timmy Tranto 67 hurt and Hobbs's 64 as well. Um, so forward line really let us down. The biggest issue that I have, and I don't know what I was doing when I did this, and I think I I stuffed it up, um, not thinking about the fact that I should have looked at how I could loophole, um, but I had Mills sitting on my bench without the E. Now, there was no one immediately that I would have been able to 
sub on for him because he played on the Saturday, didn't he? On the Sunday, sorry. Yeah. So it would have been hard. I probably would have been able to find a way around it um, somehow if I'd really tried. Um, but, yeah, that hurt. Probably would have had, had I subbed him on for Hewitt um, with a 143. I would have, yeah. 59 like, points. Uh, exactly. Yeah. And would have taken out a win between us. Yeah. But I did not. What, what about what about your captaincy in VC? So I forgot with mine. I opted for Bond for the first time. I was very tempted with English, as we were saying. Remember last, last week yeah. I was saying that it's every bye week, uh, every yeah. second week for English. English scores well. I was like, nuts, stuff it. I'm going to go for Bond. He's the Brownlow man to come. He's got the Brownlow in the air, one hand on it, and went for him. Who, who did you go for? I went Bunt um, with his 146. Um, and then I have to say, if he, I mean, with the 146, there was no way I wasn't taking it. But I was considering Golden as the C, as a bit of a, just a Hail Mary after Ooh, that. Okay. Um, which I wouldn't have been too disappointed with, with the 138 had Bunt just mm. gone 120, 125. So, yeah. But yeah, Bond 146 was locked in pretty quickly, I have to say. Um, all right, let's move on to the key learnings that I applied from, from last season. Now, as I said, there wasn't a hell heap. Um, as as we mentioned at the top of the episode, I had a horror 2022 season, which was absolutely derailed by injury. I think I used half of my trades purely on injuries. Um was the stat from last year. So it would have been like 15, 15 trades for injuries, 15 to 16. I think we had 30 something trades. Yeah. Um. So I, I guess my point there is when you're just constantly plugging holes, it's hard to do anything with your team. And when mm. it's hard to do anything with your team, it's hard to learn something um, about your team and how you need to look at it. Now, in one sense, it did mean that I probably went into this year being a bit more conservative. Um, so trying to avoid injury-prone players, despite the fact that I don't think I really had a whole heap of injury-prone players last year, but just when you have a lot of injuries, you you want to hold um, your yeah. trades. Um, but I'll touch on that as a learning coming out of season 2023, and um, you'll see why in a sec. Um, one thing though, I do want to reiterate, and I did take this in was I was the same as you. I wanted to use my boosts earlier, mm -hmm. um, try and be a bit more aggressive, um, and try and sort of get the jump if you can. Um, in my case this year, it probably went the opposite way where I was trying to make up ground. So using those boosts was really about trying to claw back, um, pull my way back. Um, next year I'll be looking to do the same thing. Um, I think I had a similar issue with you as you, Damon, like it was, it was really the boosts almost, the boosts were almost, it was less about sort of climbing and like it, it ended up being, like you said, two, uh, one step forward, two steps back because you'd be, you'd be doing a trade. Um, there'd be one trade that was an injury and then you'd basically have your other two trades, which then became, you know, your one up, one down. Mm -hmm. um, so it was never really getting you a great deal. Um, no, it wasn't really springing you forward like I think it could have yeah, been. Yeah, just, just patching so, holes virtually, yeah. Yeah, basically. And that it, 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 in a sense, it was useful because it meant that, I guess, in an, any other given week, you'd be trading 
be trading down or doing a sideways to, um, so you'd be doing a sideways to to fill that hole of the injury, and then you'd probably be having to go downgrade to you know some to to get some cash. So it did probably help in a sense, but not to the extent that you'd you'd want it to. Um, so yeah, as I said, not a great deal of learnings from twenty twenty three went into sorry twenty twenty two went into twenty twenty three, but in terms of key learnings for twenty twenty four, so what I've what I've what I've thought about this year, um, I had a rule I want to say, and it was don't bring in injury prone players. Now, I'm not that I'm saying go for all the injury prone players, but I think it's lessen lessen the extent that we think about that. So Tim English, I didn't start Tim English because, oh, he breaks down at some point. He went the whole season without an injury, like mm. probably the first time he's ever done that. Um, yeah. Clayton Zach Oliver. Butters is probably another one as well. Zach Butters, another good example. Yeah. On the other side, Oliver, like someone mm. that never misses, misses 11 weeks, as you said. Um, I'm trying to think who else. Uh yeah, like just that kind of thing. Even like I suppose led to an extent, not not yep. super, not someone that gets injured often. Yeah, I think that was something that we needed. I needed to take away, and I think be less concerned about injuries because at the end of the day, like you said with the steel one, like yeah, so they've got a history of soft tissue. You've got to be mindful of it. Like don't go picking five because mm, yeah. no, like it it's just gonna hurt you. Um, but if they're going to get injured, they're going to get injured. Like you can't control that. So I think sometimes we have to take that step back and go, okay, it's okay. Um, like steel, like steel's collarbone, like that's an impact injury. Chances of that happening multiple times is probably low. Um, and it's not like something that you are more prone to, if that makes sense. Um, so, yeah, something to consider there. And I think especially at the start of the season, if you are going to start an injury-prone player, start them at the start of the season because then you're only having to trade them out. If you've traded them in and then they get injured, you're trading them out, you're using two trades on them. Yeah. Um, if you do start with them and they get injured, you're only technically using one trade on them. A bit better. So that goes to the the, the likes of English. I'm going to be less scared of the injury-prone players. Um, two, I'm going to take more calculated risks. Um this probably comes, so this this is something that I thought of 2021 to 2022. That was sort of one thing that I was thinking about. Obviously with my injuries um, last year, I probably couldn't really take that on board as much. I want to kind of do that a bit more in 2024. Um, so take more calculated risks. So bringing in the likes of a Libba, um, who I'll touch on as one of my best trades this season, Um going for those players that might be might be pods but mm. you feel certain about it's like golden there was no cons- like golden was one that i wasn't worried about at any stage of the season no um i was starting him i know a few people were kind of all oh, do we start him do we not i had no concern with starting him um well you, you were the guru who looked into the crystal ball and saw this breakout well, <laughs> season <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but i think i guess to my point there is it's just take those risks because it's going to sometimes it'll hurt you sometimes, of course, but that's where it's taking calculated risk. It's it's not going for, um, I don't know. I can't even think for player. Well, it's it's, it's like for me, for example, like we joke around about Nat five, but I was kind of, I panicked towards the end just because I had some extra cash off the back of you're not playing in round one. 
McLean not playing round one. Uh, so I was like, oh, okay, maybe I'd, maybe I'd take a risk. And that was a stupid risk upon reflection because we all know Fife's injury risk. But again, people mm-hmm. fell into that trap again later this season uh, when I was like, please don't do it, please don't do it. And of course it happened. But it's, yeah, as you say, those calculated risks, you're kind of willing to take a risk with. And maybe Flanders is maybe a calculated risk. Yeah. Um, could you call I'll him touch that? on him. I'll touch yeah. on him a little bit later as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that it's like Setterfield, for instance, probably a good example. Yep. Starting Setterfield, I jumped on Setterfield oh. instead of um, instead of Hopper. Yep. Um, so I, I did do that. I was quite happy with that pick. I felt confident. I was like, Setters is going to be a mainstay in Essendon's midfield. Um, we've seen that he can score well in the past when he's played that role. Um, I started him. Man, I didn't have to trade him in. Obviously, Hopper went well, so I did miss out on him. But it gave me a bit of a point of difference, um, which was kind of nice to have early on in the season. Had I started both, might have been really strong. Like it might have been a better thing to almost go those two. Um, but yeah, I guess that's that's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about a calculated risk. It's it's a risk, but there's there's a degree of safeness in it. Um, yeah, there's a backing as to why you're doing it. It's not I I there's a backing as to why, but it it feels safer. Than like mm-hmm. as you said, like the five the five pick where it is a bit more yep. risky. Uh, which leads me into back your gut. So, I I think we all had this the start of the season, in the preseason. Dacos got tagged, and we all were like, oh shit, got to get him out of our teams. Yeah. Got to figure it out. Got to change it all. Um, and I think I was, I think it's quite funny because I think at the start of the season. I don't know if I'd, I think I said it on the podcast, sorry, in the preseason, but I definitely said it to you, Damon. I was like, I feel the most confident about my side that I've ever been. And I don't see me changing it. And yeah. then it, like it changed because, you know, the preseason started happening, preseason games, we started all freaking out because this player was playing in a weird role or this one, this one had jumped up into, into consideration. Um, and I think I need to back, you just need to back your gut and back your research. Mm. We we all freaked out about Dacos, but when we think about it, he got tagged and scored a 70. Like that's not a poor, it's not a great score, yeah. but it's not like he got tagged and scored like 10. Yeah, and, exactly. And, and, and it's sort of like really, really poor. Um, So I think to that point, what, where I'm trying to go with this is back, when I do the research, back it in. And I think had I done that at the start of the season, had I backed myself in, I had English and Marshall as my R1, R2, Got a bit scared off because people started yeah, talking about his injury history. Um, I had Dacos and Dawson for my uh, F, uh, D1 and D2. Went away from that and started Doherty and uh, and Stewart. Stewart got injured in the first game. Mm-hmm. like, and, and this is the thing. Some of it's also like if you had looked at it and said, to, and I said to you at the start of the season, I'm starting with Stewart and Doherty. You probably wouldn't have even blinked an eyelid. You'd be like, "Yeah, that's great." No. Mm. But it wasn't the research. Like, I think you just need to back your gut sometimes. Um, and I am going to record. Well, we're obviously recording this, but I am going to play this back. I'm going to cut this and I'm going to play it back mm. to myself at the start of <laughs> uh, next season to make sure yeah. that I don't don't keep tinkering with the side. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna play it back, and then when you play it in reverse, you know, like that old I don't know if you remember the old Nike ad, and it's, it was Wayne Carey being sponsored by Nike, and they play back a record, and it says Wayne Carey is Rue Boy. You play it back, <laughs> and it says 
I will never select Nat Fife again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, and I think, so we're talking about Flanders. Yes. Flanders was not in my consideration. I then got, and this is probably my fourth point. It's don't, like, I don't, I, I had FOMO. I, I had pre-FOMO. <laughs> <laughs> with uh with Flanders. I was worried he was gonna break out and everyone was gonna have him. I wasn't gonna have yeah. him. And then how was I gonna get him in? And so I restructured my side to get him in because oh, it'll be easy enough to trade him down. When I really probably should have looked at it the other way and go, all right, if he breaks out, I'll just use a trade to get him in. Mm. Like it, I needed to flip it. And I think sometimes there was a few picks in my side where I kind of went not necessarily safe. But I kind of jumped on a player because I was worried about them. I was worried about not having them, but not mm. necessarily worried about not having them for the right reason. Like I should have been worried about not having Tim English because yeah. he was going to be R1. I was worried about not having Flanders in case he broke out and then I would have to, how would I get him in? The, the because he was that all good was, price point. Yeah, exactly. And that's that's just it. Like with me, and that was probably off one of the key learnings uh, that Which was the Brody on, one. Was the Brody. Will Brody and uh, yeah. Jeremy, not Jeremy, uh, should know this. Uh, what's his name? McGovern, for, for, for my yeah. mom, for Carlton. I went for McGovern instead of Will Brody, but he yeah. was at a higher price point, McGovern. So then it was easier to trade him down to Will Brody. And that's kind of my thinking with Flanders. It was like, all right, well, if he's a failure, I can easily trade him down, which is what I did. Went for Philippu, who wasn't the best option, but at least it affords you that, that flexibility to do it. And you don't have to dip into your own you know, I guess your bank in order to mm. have that money already being put aside just in case you need to upgrade to Flanders. Um, so I guess there's, there's logic I in think, it. It makes sense. I but... think there's logic in it. I think it comes down to how many places you do that across your field. Mm, um, yeah. Now, look, I had probably the risk, like, as I said, I had the Tom Stewart injury first up. So there was an injury straight away. I I had the C on Laird who scored 50. So my, my first captain score was a 50. Um. And then I had Flanders. So yeah. like, I guess there was a lot of issues compounding there um, that I had to factor in, but I just, I'd be more mindful of that. I I think it was also that I restructured my side to fit him in afterwards, not restructured, oh, yeah. but I had to look at my forward line to try and figure out how I could get him in um, as opposed to him slotting in and then thinking yeah i think that's my concern so i guess there, there's arguments either way but yeah i'm going to be more mindful of not worrying about missing out on a player um who isn't um going to be integral i guess and the other thing i think which i didn't touch on but we can just mention briefly is just having like you know when you when you when you actually pick your team to start with always have like a backup like a backup to that team because i found that i panicked yeah. Uh, a little bit, as I mentioned, that was part of the reason why I brought in that five because Elliot Yo went down. There were guys not being selected, like McLean, who we thought was going to be one of the you know plug and play easy uh, cash mm. cows of the season, and he wasn't selected. And it's like he's been bevoed. What do you do now? And I didn't have a backup plan to really think about, and it was more I was tinkering with things, and I was like, okay, well, first game, it was like the first game that that night or whatever. Um, being a Thursday game as well, which makes it extra hard. You don't have that mm. extra day to think about and assess things. So that's probably the other thing I'd I'd look look to recommend people do if they haven't already is don't hinge your hopes on one key pillar of your team, which for me, it was Elliot Yo. 
Um, and then that just threw out everything. McLean, I had to rejig, had some extra cash. I could have done something with it better, but um, yeah, it's just, I kind of panicked and shouldn't have gone for, for five. That's virtually it. If I did, if I had a backup plan, maybe I, I, I go for someone else. Yeah. I think also to that point, we probably suffer from the fact that we, as content creators for Supercoach, we're constantly tinkering with our team to think about how can we give advice? What can we be talking about? Mm. So we probably suffer from the fact that, you know, we are going to tinker naturally because we have to look at different options, different players we want to talk about, different, you know, different structures we could talk about. So I think that's one thing that we probably, the two of us need to be mindful of, but not necessarily for the wider audience. But yeah, I think backing a gut and, um, and considering, yeah, your options, having, having the backup, having the, if this player doesn't make it, who, who's on your next list. So like, Mm. you know, almost ranking who you want at D3 or D4 or D5. Yeah. Um, so that it's an easy plug and play, as you kind of said, you can, you can swap it out, um, as soon as you can. Yeah. I guess the one, cause I've actually took a screenshot of my initial team that I'd selected before I made any of these changes. And I ended up, I didn't have Sheasel in my starting team. So that I guess was the one silver lining yeah. is I was able to afford to bring him in. But again, with the excess cash, shouldn't have gone for five, should have gone for someone else. And that was off the back of McLean, uh, not being selected. So, um, a few sliding doors there, but uh, as you say, you know, uh, at least have maybe a, another player in mind uh, if need be, if if things don't go to plan and guys aren't selected that uh, you thought might be in round one. But yeah, uh, Lee, I think probably- sorry, just on that, sorry, just quickly, and I think it's thinking about those pivotal roles. So if it is, it's the mid pricer, it's the mid pricer or yeah. the high priced rookie. It's got someone that can fit there. Um, like obviously your your D one is probably going to be one of the most expensive players, so it's not going to matter. Um, yeah. but yeah, yes. Yeah, so just, just that mindfulness is, is more so around the, the weirdly priced, the mid prices generally, or the, the yeah. high price rookies. Yeah. Cause they're, they're the ones that are obviously you have to put a bit more thought into compared to the out and out primos that, you know, everyone's going to have, you know, yeah. are going to consistently perform well. So you don't have to put too much thought into them. So it's a, that's a fair point in terms of, yeah, may, maybe, uh, having backups and more thought into those type of players. Um, as well as cash cows as well, obviously, but um, those are um, just as much of a risk um, because you have to sort of delve into, um, I guess, being a devil's advocate and no one knew about Sheasel, that's for sure. Mm. Uh, But Liam, let's do it. Now let's, uh, I guess, go into the quick key metrics, rapid fire type questions to assess both of our teams as more of a a year in review. So let's kick it off with uh, the highest overall rank that you've had all season. Um, I ended up having... A 492 I was ranked, which was in oh, wow. round 19. And that was when I ran out of trades that exact week. And Dacos got injured. Um, I think so I think it was that week he got injured. And yeah. uh, Walsh got injured uh, the week after that and just came undone because I had no trades to correct. So um, ended up sliding down the ranks. <laughs> what about yourself? Yeah, I was, it was round 17. Uh, it was a highest overall rank of 6,540. Which uh, doesn't sound great, but when I consider that I was ranked, so I'm just having a quick look, 56,569th in round four. I'm not too concerned about the fact that I did manage to get it down to that seven in round 17. So, yeah, 13 rounds later. 
Yeah, in, in that context as well. Like it was such a slow start to the season as well, wasn't it? That yeah, like in round four, I was making like from round one, 75,000 down to 29, down to 30, oh, sorry, then slid back to 30 and then slid right back to 42. And I was like, oh God. And you sounds like you're on the same sort of trajectory path yeah. there. And again, Even so hard slower, to I would of, say. Yeah. Yeah. So hard to try and make up those ranks. And we've spoken about it all year that especially this year, everyone had virtually the same forward line. Um, so there's you know a 30 year team virtually that's identical. And then, yeah. you know, defense as well, give or take maybe one or two primos. So um, it was a very, very even season. And if you got off to a slow start, uh, hard to try and peg it back. Uh, in terms of the highest round score overall, mine was 2,782, which nice. was uh, also coincided with the highest round rank of uh, 19th in round 19. Oof. So it's kind of a bit of uh, all these things, the overall rank, the highest overall rank, yeah. highest round score and highest round rank were all linked to that round 19. So that was kind of my... um. Uh, that was the the high watermark of my season. What yes. about yourself? Uh, mine was uh, my highest round score was two thousand six hundred and ninety four. Uh, pretty good. Which was in round ten, which saw me with a highest round rank of three hundred and forty third overall in round ten. Which, looking at my season, was probably where I really got it back on track. Uh. I slid down from 16,000 to 700, uh, so 7,000, sorry, and 7,165. Um, so, yeah, almost 10,000 spots in that one week. Oh, very nice. Well, I guess the, the next thing to, to touch on is uh, the all-important captaincy mm-hmm. scoring and the yes. average captaincy score. So I had a pretty good year. This is probably the... Uh, the best part of my super coach season, I reckon was the, uh, the captaincy scores. And I ended up finishing with an average of 132. And that also includes the starting captaincy score, which I had on Laird, like you who scored a 50. So uh, did pretty well off the back of that. Uh, the lowest aside from Laird's 50 was Sicily's 96 in round 22. And then again, Sicily, the absolute pest again uh, in round 20 with a 102. Um, every other score there's been littered throughout 100, multiple 140s, 173, which was the uh, the second highest by English, and then Bonds 182 back in round six uh, was the uh, was the best of the lot there. Yeah. All right. Sorry, I'm just getting mine up now. All right. So I'm going to have a caveat on mine. So my average captaincy score is 127.75, which I'm pretty happy with overall, but. That includes the 20 that I had for Libba in round 22. Ah, of course. So he was subbed and he was injured and subbed. So I'm going to I'm gonna take that out and yeah. that increases to 132.4. So oh, very good. that went very nicely. And that includes, as you said, the 50 for Laird in round one. Yeah. Bloody hell. Yeah. Um, but then my next lowest was a 97 for Laird in round four. And then all the rest were 120 plus. Yep. So pretty happy with that. My best was 172, I think it was for Sicily. Sicily. Um, no, 182, sorry, for Bont in round six was yep. my best. Um, but yes, very nice. Very nice with that. Very happy overall with the piece, with captaincies, which actually was nice to look at because I thought I didn't do very well with that this year. Yeah, especially with a start like that when we both put the captaincy on Laird. 
Yeah. That that was like a, a massive kick in the dick because yeah, it's just like so deflating. Everyone else had a decent captaincy score. And you're like, shit, it's, it's kind of like being on the uh, the start line of a race. Mm. Everyone gets the, the start and you trip over your own feet. And it's just like, oh, like nothing worse. Yeah. And I think it's interesting as well. So looking at the first four weeks, three of those scores, that was my first, it was probably the worst that I could have. Um, But it was 50. Then the 147 for Laird in round two, just bounced back. But then round three was 114 and round four was 97. So like the first three weeks, I only had one score above one twenty-five. Yeah, yeah. So actually, I think that that sort of was probably why I thought it was so poor. When realistically, it wasn't too bad after that. It's funny that uh, looking back, I actually backed in Laird as well. Off the back of that fifty, I thought, yeah, he's yeah. going to bounce back round two, one forty-seven. Uh, backed him in there, round three, one fourteen. Then I went to Bont one twenty-two, and then back to Laird at one thirty-five. And only went with Laird as a VC or captaincy option once for the remainder of the season. Likewise, Um, actually. Just have a look quickly at the number of, uh, I guess, the most captain player. Uh, So Laird was five or VC'd, of course. Um, Bont was one, two, three, uh, four. Is that right? Yeah, four. Um, And then Oliver ended up having him one, two, twice. Uh, English, one, two. Uh, only twice with English. So I reckon Laird actually might have been the most captain player, funnily enough. Bont was mine, I think, seven. Seven, seven times he was. That includes one time where he wasn't, he didn't, he didn't, I didn't take his score. Um, so uh, six, okay. six overall. But yes. Yeah, good old uh, Bont. But I reckon he probably delivered the the highest scores for me um mm. english english as well english which we'll get into him um as well but uh just ridiculous uh vc and seeing i should have captained him more knowing uh i missed out on a couple of big scores there from yeah. him knowing that uh champion data just absolutely slobbered all over him um but that's another thing altogether uh next up uh we have uh the starting picks that uh were still there in our final side so yeah. i ended up having 10 in total which was bond led Golden Doherty, who I had in my side twice, traded him back in after he yep. came back from injury. Marshall, Sheasel, Dunks, Rosie, Taranto. Uh, sorry, I've said she's twice, so nine, I should say. Um, so not too bad. Round about that threshold there. Remember we discussed back in the preseason, and this is coming off the back of something that Mario is Magic said on his podcast. Under the theory of starting with, you try and start with at least 10 perfect primo players that you're going to end with. Uh, use 12 trades to downgrade, 12 to upgrade, then have six trades for corrections and six for injuries. So it was around about that mark there, but, um, you know, kind of on track, but uh, a little bit derailed with injuries and especially suspensions, which we'll get into in a moment. But uh, what about you? What, uh, who did you have in your final side that you started with? Yeah, so I had, I think, nine, but I'm going to count them now. Bond, Laird, Marshall, Taranto, Sheasel, Dunks, Rosie, Golden and Stewart, who I started, then traded back in. I mean, I'm gonna leave out Chessa and Constable. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> give them a pass. Out, I've left out Constable in mine as well. <laughs> uh, but yes, I could include Ch- Chessa and Constable and get it up to eleven. Uh, but and and Madden, oh my god, twelve. 
no, oh, okay. but, but yeah, yep. in sort of in in terms of starting like players that I would actually field, yeah, nine. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so in terms of uh, I guess suspensions. Oh, now, sorry, I did miss Dacos there. Oh, did you start Dacos? No, I sorry, no, I didn't. No, I didn't start Dacos. Sorry, I forgot oh, that no. I did not start him. Traded him in. He's been yes. there for a long while. He's, He's been there for a long while, and he was there until probably the last minute. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly oh. right. Yeah, he's he's, uh, he's part of the Franco Cotto Il Modernissimo uh, range, who uh, might be making an appearance later in the episode as well. Uh, but uh, in terms of suspensions, uh, I ended up having a few. Uh, so I had Will Day out for two yep. weeks, held him. Uh, Sicily uh, held him for his one against Caminiti. Uh, it was out for three, then also as well with his tackle. Uh, Tom Green out as well, dangerous tackle. And MJ as well, dangerous tackle out for two. Yep. I had the same just without Will Day. Um, so I had Cecily with his essentially four weeks, uh, Green with his one, and MJ with his two. Alrighty. So we had a few there. And uh, how many forced injury trades? You spoke of last year, Lynn, that you had quite a few, uh, more than, more than uh, I guess, to, to cover the entire uh, Supercoach competition. Uh, but uh, I ended up having Chessa, Steele, Doc, Jinby, LDU, Hopper, Oliver, Hodor, Sean Darcy, and Green. So that's nine. And had to hold Dacos. Um, so you can hand him potentially. If I had a trade, I would have traded him out yeah. as 10. Uh, Walsh's four-weeker would have traded him out as well. He would have been 11. And Doc, he only missed the one uh, in his second time around when it came to injury. So a fair few there. And then, of course, there's those ones that I'm having counted that uh, I've held on to, like a Darcy Cameron, um, you know, when he had that, uh, that yeah. whatever it was, hip hammy. Um, so, yeah, more than enough, that's for sure. But not as much as yours last year, Liam. But uh, how did you fare yourself? Yeah. So I had Tom Stewart, Ridley, Doherty, LDU, Phillips, Oliver, Roberts, Darcy, Green, Wardlaw, uh, Chessa, who I held, Libba, who I held, Dacos, who I held, Walsh, who I held, and as you said, Dcam. I'm there's probably a couple of others in there that I've held, but I don't ever know. I've got uh, uh one, two, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. Gee whiz, it's uh, Supercoach guys weren't nice to us at all. No, uh, let's delve into our worst starting pick. And I think for me, it's pretty obvious. Spoke about him enough. Uh, Fife, just dumb, <laughs> just straight up dumb, just an absolute idiot operating with half a brain. Um, not even operating with my brain, really. I don't know, it wasn't intuition, it was just stupidity. Uh, outside of him, uh, you could probably say starting Flanders. Yeah. Um, but it hurts more so just seeing now that I guess we were on the right track starting him, but Juice, Juice, mm. buddy, <laughs> Shuey Jew, his use of him ruined his output, put him as a high half forward, didn't give him much time in the engine room, and now he's flourishing. But uh, mm. silver lining is he's now exposed himself in, in the good way, not uh, not on the street dropping his dax, but he's exposed himself now as as a uh, genuine super coach option for 2024. So uh, happy enough with that. Happy to take the, uh, I guess, the um, the bullet in this case. Yeah. Likewise, my worst pick was Flanders in terms of starting, starting pick. Um, I wasn't, as I said, I wasn't super, 
super hot on him early. Um, but was worried I'd have FOMO if he did step up and kill it. <laughs> uh, but obviously he didn't. I do think though later his later form, as you said, it does justify the pick in yep. the end. But obviously not at the time. So it goes down as the worst. Yeah. Well, he could be the best um, in terms of it could be the the new Errol Goulden of twenty twenty four. We're looking at here. Um, he's going to be everyone's teams as well. Uh, but uh, let's move on to our best trades. And there's a few probably uh, to choose from as well, but you have to narrow it down uh, to three, uh, at least three and a half in my case here. I've got a little bit cheeky. Uh, but uh, first up, bringing in Chandler, early days when yeah. uh, many, including our friends over at Supercoach Masters, those loose units, just proving how loose they were. Uh, they actually had, uh, you weren't able to make it uh, that episode no. featuring on there, but they doubted his ability to make cash. And they laughed at me, Liam. They laughed. They said, <sighs> Who's, who's the top of your list in terms of trading options? And I'm like, hands Dan Chandler. And they're like, who? He's bottom of our list. And they thought it was too much of a risk. They're legit. Go back, have a look. And they're like, no, 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 no. You're way off, mate. And I'm like, all right. I did, don't, don't, don't say that I didn't tell you. But uh, he would obviously go on to make 235K uh, when I cashed him in. So fair Ooh. to say he was virtually the, uh, you know, one and a half, two primos roll into one. So, oh, sorry, uh, cash cows roll into one. So pretty happy with that. Uh, second up was jumping on and riding the cash wave of Samson Ryan at 156k, knowing he would have an uptick in scoring and huge rise in cash, taking up the number one ruck spot from uh, Nank whilst he was out of the side. Yeah. Many uh, were also scared to jump on him due to his higher price point, but really does demonstrate why keeping an eye uh, on someone's role and whether or not it's going to be favorable to their scoring is crucial. And by the time I cashed him in, he had made a profit of 203k. And the same applies also to Briggs, who people were scared of potentially because it's a higher price point uh, and potentially losing his spot to uh, Flynn, who was the emergency like a zillion times. Uh, but he ended up making me 150K and average 110 over that time and helped across the buys as well. And yep. then in the third uh, for me, uh, in a similar vein, was probably bringing in Hewitt as the 23rd man at the cheap, cheap price of 259.8K, knowing he would have an uptick in CBAs and scoring to cover for Walsh, uh, mm. which was another inspired move, which I guess Georgia boy, he averaged 103.6 for me as cover across yeah, wow. that period to end the season. So um, very, very nice there. But Liam, what were your best trades? Yeah, I'm going to keep it short and sharp because there wasn't many. Um, no, uh, I think all of like Chandler, I agree with for me, Samson Ryan was great as well as Flynn. Um, and Hewitt's been great, but, um, in terms of my best trades, I'd probably say Zach Merritt in round seven. Um, he went on to average 118.82 from when I traded him in. So that was nice, especially considering I got him in at just at under 580 K. So, um, it was a bargain at that price for the scores that he provided and some absolute monsters and some absolute monster captain scores at 162 as well. Um, so definitely worth the cash that I spent on him. Uh, the other one was Tom Libertore, round 16. I brought him in and he was a relative pod, not even a relative pod, he just was a pod. Uh, and he averaged 113.375 while in my side. But if we exclude, that includes that 20 that we talk about, spoke about when he was the injury um, and was obviously subbed. If we take that out, his average skyrockets to 126.71 while he was in my side with his next lower score other than that 20 being 75 
and then his next lowest after that being 121. So he was, yeah, great, great, great pick in the end. Um, other than that, 20 and that game that he missed. Yeah, he was a very much an inspired uh, move by you. I remember you talking about him and uh, it was a great pick because, again, when we talk about throughout the season, you know, pods that you go for, it's these sort of, you know, he wasn't a mid-pricer. He's kind of like, and it went again, it flew in the face of, I guess, I guess everything that we talk about when, you know, he's kind of at that age bracket, you think he's, yeah. his output's going to break down, yeah. going to decrease. There's chances of him being injured more often than not. And it was more just the fact that he got knocked out and you can't help that. That's, you, you can't, mm. it's nothing to do with, with what he's done. It's it's like an impact injury. So um, you did really, really well there to to jump on him. So I totally agree with that. Um, and yeah, I, I wish I jumped on him as well, but uh la vie is what it is. Mm. Uh, but uh, in terms of worst trades, Liam, let's, let's look at the other side of the coin. So um, by and large for me, they were related to questionable cash cows. So first off, uh, and it was probably the first wasted trade for me, and it was trading in Philippou in round three, thinking he would be a nice cash cow after being sucked in off the back of his three goal performance in round two. Mm. He only went up 90K odd, which falls short and well short of the 125 to 150K mark that we like rookies to hit before cashing them in. Second up uh, was bringing in Sharp. Uh, and you're probably thinking, who? Well, it is that youngster yeah. from Brisbane. Um, and whilst that uh, did net me 84K in cashing in Cowan to him, Sharp was promptly dropped despite promising performance performances off the back of me bringing him in. Plagues just doesn't like me. And he didn't play again. And it meant I needed to waste yet another trade on him for buy cover for his teammate in Dev Robertson, who, again... It's kind of uh, teetering on that bit of a wasted trade. Uh, had a couple nah, of good scores no, no. across across no. the buy period, so he was uh, he was nice. But uh, I know he served you well uh, in the the closing rounds. They did. Uh, and then he, the third spot for me, uh, bringing in Darcy Cameron, mm. I only really did it because I was worried about English's uh, durability, which is so yeah. funny to talk about now, as we as you touched on, um, just because Decam provided that DPP ruck cover. Uh, but his scores didn't really, you know, hit the mark at all and was impacted largely by sharing the ruck with Cox that, yeah. you know, that was the main worry as to why we didn't want to start with him in the in the preseason uh, in our starting teams. And uh, it, it came full circle and bit us in the backside. So, um, yeah, if I had my time again, definitely wouldn't be going with DCAM and maybe would have tried to keep a, a trade up my sleeve. But maybe that's something I'll try and do next season if I don't have that DBP ruck cover. Um, but there may be someone by the name of uh, Luke Jackson, who we could uh, start next season with that might be able to help there. Yeah. Uh, outside of him, Mills was like another one potentially, but uh, I know you'll touch on him, Liam. So I'll leave him to you. Thank you. My worst trades. going to have a bit more of a list here. Uh, <laughs> first up, Jack Steele. Traded him in round eight and then traded him out nine rounds later in round 17. While he was in my side, I am never going to – this is why he's almost on my never again list because oh. he hurt me. He averaged 87 in those weeks that he was in my side. That's fair. Felt like a safe pick. Yep. Where, as, as we've said, he's a fan favorite. He's got a huge, normally has a good floor, but not while he was in my side. Not while he was in my side with only that average <laughs> of 87. I mean, as we said, he was just like banged up. Like he just looked not good. Yeah. Um, unfortunately. Then I traded him out in round 17 for Callum Mills, who also finds himself on this list. He averaged, and it was like just the two of them were the same. So Jack Steele averaged 87 while he was in my side. Callum Mills gets traded in. So I've wasted a trade on him, who comes in and averages 87.25. 
for the the weeks while he's in my side. So it's pretty much identical. Now, I uh, this is the slide. It's like, it's like you were just walking Seriously. along the street. You had your hands in your pockets and like you're fiddling around and you dropped the trade on the ground and you just like kept on walking and had Seriously. no idea. It's like straight down the Googler. But wait for it. <laughs> Callum Mills, so Callum Mills comes in, averages the exact same as Jack Steele, 87, basically 87 for the last, whatever, five rounds, uh, six rounds. Uh, Steele in that time averages 104.13. So all of a sudden Steele, for absolutely no reason, goes from averaging 87 to averaging 104. No reason other than being out of your team. Yeah, it's like he like, knew. And he's like, I've got freedom. I've got it was freedom. literally like the first week. <laughs> I swear to God, I trade him out, and the first week that he's not in my side, he basically scores the exact same. So he scores, he scores more than he scored at any stage while he was in my side. Like, yeah. seriously, like I swear, it was like all of the scores added up didn't equal what he scored the first week out of my side. Um, but not only did he average higher than him, there was only two scores where Callum Mills outscored Jack Steele in that given week. So it was last, the last week and there was another random week in there. Yeah. So I, like, I, do, I do recall, like, remember you, uh, and I, I do feel partly responsible here because you did confide in me and you said, should I get rid of him? Should I trade him to steal to mills? And I was like, yeah, yeah, it makes sense. The other option was keeping steel and trading Wardlaw. Trading Wardlaw uh, for mills. mills, so then you could try and like loop, loop whoever them. had the you know the best score on field. Um, would have been would have meant that you would you have been an extra trade down? No, you would have been exactly. I would have had the exact same situation. Yeah, in terms of trades, it would have meant that. Well, Wardlaw pretty much got injured that week, I think, as well. So Wardlaw oh, was close to me. Um, who then eventually got traded to Hewitt anyway, but. Yeah, like it would have meant that I probably it probably would have saved me when Walsh went down. Like I mm. could have just traded someone Walsh to someone else. Um yeah. like another primo, but anyway. But yeah, so that was that was a fun two trades or three yeah. trades technically, because I traded steel in. Yeah. Um and then the other one, and this is probably a little harsh, but he he's gonna come with you here. here. I'm with it you is here. LDU. I traded him in round three. His debut on my side was being like a late out two minutes before the game starts. So I literally cop a, a donut for LDU in round three as a trade-in. And then I don't even know. I didn't even look at what he scored because all I know was it was not great after that. And then he got injured and I could trade him out. Again, a bit like Flanders though. He kind of, his pick in the end probably seemed justified because he did obviously come home like a freight train. Mm. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I share the pain here, not to your full extent, but I remember that round three that he missed and he was obviously on the bubble as well. And he was about to go up in yeah. price massively because he posted scores of 143 and 155 in his first two rounds of the season. Then he missed, obviously still on the bubble for round four. And I was like, oh, here we go. Cause I was keen on him. So I ended up bringing him in as well. And I rode that time from round four, five, six, and then missed round seven. You only scored 102, 19, and 72. Yeah. And we were both in the greens. We're like, nah, this is it, done. So I had him for three rounds. 
uh, you add him for that, that extra one, and uh, just you, you can't you can't help but laugh. Really, it's I know like seriously how shit the luck is because we we spoke about him at full length as well. Like compared him to potentially Tom Green in terms of being a breakout candidate, mm. and we saw the scores of the back part of the season again. It kind of you know validates what we were thinking. But it's it's not much solace because we obviously didn't get those scores and uh, had to waste two trades on him. Um, so yeah, and was obviously playing through injury. Yeah, like he obviously exactly. he got injured and was obviously laid out, and then obviously comes back the next week, and he's clearly hampered for it for the next few weeks because then he gets I think it did I don't know what he he's did managed for minutes as well. Um, yeah, because it was like an ankle and then it was uh, a hamstring. Yeah, apparently. and obviously the and... hamstring he's had the hamstring injury. Mm. And then his ankle or foot or whatever it was is healed up because he's, you know, stopped. Yeah. Uh, and then it's, it just hurts as well when you see guys that you have in your team, like LDU, like Flanders, who then come out and smash it and you're like, mm. well, I've virtually, virtually wasted two trades on you. Or, yeah. you know, it's because LDU, his average when he returned was 104.6, end of the season, 113.6. Yeah. Um, scores are 194, 134, 129, 133, 127, 106, and 125, which is the scores that he was posting in his first two rounds of the season that we all jumped on because yeah. he looked like being a, potentially a top eight midfielder. So yeah, uh, it hurts. It bloody well hurts. It does. Sure. Uh, but Liam, now it's that time. Now that we've uh, recapped our seasons, let's put the bow on it, shall we? By finishing off with our head-to-head. The uh, ultimate supremacy, we otherwise call it. So, how does it uh, how does it fare? Well, I'm sure the uh, the viewers and the listeners they they're keen to hear mm. if uh, you sure somehow <laughs> somehow <I'm sure. laughs> catapulted over me to the finish line with the with the rocket on your back, yeah, Halle Crypto, all that sort of stuff. I ended up finishing on 19 wins to your five with a differential of Close. 1,000. 399 points. So close. Very, very close. Uh, but alas, by that much. <laughs> by a bee's dick. But uh, now is the time where it's a clean slate, Liam. No more bets. No more points. No more predictions. All that sort of stuff. Because it's now we're now looking ahead to 2024. Mm. So probably a good segue as well, Liam. Let's get him in. Let's get the big man in. Franco. Hey, Franco. Get him in. Usher him in. Michalo, Michalo is a grand sire. Franco Cozzo is in brand new footers cry, footers cry, footers cry, footers cry, footers cry. Five for Franco Cozzo in brand new ekker footers cry. Oh, good old Megalo, Magalo. So it is It is virtually a fitting way because we've been talking about the return of the great Franco Cozzo, who last year featured throughout uh, the season. Yeah. But I reckon he should become a regular fixture in 2024. So we'll bring him back. And this is a nice sort of reintroduction to uh super coach edge here for him. And uh, we think it's a fitting way to round out season 2023 with a great man returning. And the reason as to why he's been missing across the season, I hear you ask, well, let's just say uh, we had to post his bail. <laughs> That's all we'll say. <laughs> uh, his only crime is selling great furniture at, at dirt cheap prices. Cheap prices. Yeah. At prices you 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 can't ignore. <laughs> I, li- I like um, I like the uh, I like the furniture with the pe- the the powder coating. Ah uh, yes, you get that. Uh, yes, I don't know what you're talking about, Damon. I I really yeah. don't know. Franco is an upstanding citizen. 
Yeah, um, in, I don't know if the justice system thinks that, but uh, we'll, we'll see. They do, they do. But anyway, let's move on. Yeah. Uh, thank you for that, Franco. Are you gonna is Franco sticking around, or is he? Uh... Uh, he'll be sticking around. Don't worry. He'll uh, maybe he'll make an appearance. I can't ruin it, but uh, potentially uh, for the next venture that we have beyond the Supercoach season. Oh, maybe. interesting. Yes. Okay. But anyway, now that uh, we do have access to some loose prices, obviously courtesy to one of our one of our big supporters, uh, the legendary friend in uh, of the show in the form of Emper, posting his predictions on Twitter, and also the stats guru himself, back from his mid-season break, Bryce Mitchell. Mm. So we'll be uh, using them as a guide when talking in terms of value. So we'll identify at least one lock and load and a potential value selection and some smokies as well across each line. So let's kick off with the defenders. And Damon, I'm going to kick off with the most obvious lock and load, and it is Nick Dacos. Now, assuming he gets his mid-defensive eligibility, I'm pretty sure but there's talks that he will. Uh, so, we, can, we can reveal exclusively. Well, not exclusively, oh. but this is a Tom Brown exclusive because it's secondhand exclusive. A uh, bit of a clip there to good old T-Dollar Brown. Uh, but Al Payton. Out. Yeah, on his way out, of course. Al Payton, uh, of course, and, and Tim Mitchell from uh, Supercoach HQ. They uh, came out and they've actually released an article. Sorry, if you are a Herald Sun subscriber, check it out. Uh, or code subscriber, of course, uh, which I am a subscriber to. And uh, they release some awesome stuff. So there's an article there which kind of goes through. It would have been maybe two weeks ago, potentially a week ago. And they pinpointed the percentage of time spent in each position for yeah. the big players. Nikki Dacos, we can reveal here at Supercoach Edge, exclusively T-Dollar Brown style, that he's going to be getting mid-defensive DPP in 2024. Lock her in. I'm just going to say that that was too coherent to be a Tom Brown exclusive. Oh, sorry. sorry. Let me rephrase that. Uh, well, I did I did actually spot Nick Dacos uh, outside of a kebab shop, and I'm pretty sure that he had a uh, mixed lamb chicken kebab. Uh, no tomato. I did spot some lettuce, potentially. Is that any better? Well, yeah. Thank you. Uh, still, still too coherent, but... <laughs> I guess that's the best we're going to get. Now, yeah. Nick Dacos... Uh, mid forward, uh, sorry, mid forward, mid defensive eligible. You've heard it here first. Thanks to T Swizzle. Um, no way, that's T Taylor Swift. T T Brown. T Dollar. T Dollar Brown. T Dollar. T Dollar Pain. T Dollar. T Pain. Nick Dacos. Should be priced around the 640k mark, so we'll set you back a little bit. But he will be worth every cent, knowing what mm. we what he can produce on a weekly basis, having averaged 116.3 for the season. The constant worry of a tag will obviously remain, and it was the reason that scared many of us away from selecting him in our starting starting sides. But he showed time and again his ability to continue scoring well enough given his versatility off halfback in the engine room or even playing sort of half forward. So it is well worth the risk, in my opinion. I will yeah, be. I, I want to say I'll be starting him, but I, I, I don't want to make any promises yet. Yep, exactly. Well, it, he's going to be one of the more you'd think at this stage anyway. Looking at that price point, one of the more expensive options mm. in defence anyway. Because uh, just looking at this year, I think Jack Sinclair may have been the highest price. I've got to go back and have a look, but uh, he was 626.2 for context there. So uh, he's going to cost you a pretty penny, as you mentioned with Dacos, but just with that added DPP, gee whiz, a mm. uh, bit of flexibility there that we thought, 
yeah, we we wouldn't have had. So um, yeah, it's uh, even better. Nice little bonus. Uh, so I think I will be locking him in um, at this stage. And who cares about the tags? And we're not going to fall for that again, uh, unless of course he's being tagged by um, McGinnis every single week, um, which obviously mm. won't be happening. So lock and load. Uh, but delving now into the value option, uh, and it's someone that is a value option across both the midfield and the defensive line, and it is Hayden Young. So he's going to be going to the season priced at 517k at this stage, um, just pure value, really, and was one of the few um, that uh, I guess some people had started in their teams, hoping he would take the step up in his game and potentially take the easy possessions and points in defense for Frio over potentially Luke Ryan. Might have passed the baton on to him, but it just wasn't to be. Average around the 90 mark up until round 19. But that's where things get interesting, Liam. From then on, mm-hmm. over the final five weeks of the season, he has been integrated into the engine room for Frio, pretty much full-time playing run with roles and scoring quite well by and large after a teething game of 69 dinner for two. First up with uh, 52% CBAs. So um, following that game, he just went on an absolute tear. And he's had scores of 123 with 77% CBAs, 118 at 81% CBAs, 113 at 78 CBAs, 78% CBAs, and 111 at 81%. So just absolutely fantastic. Um, really is, uh, I guess, a, a snapshot. And it's kind of similar to Flanders, I reckon, where we're getting a bit of a, a couple of cheat codes here. Uh, with mm. guys that were seeing a snaps, quick snapshot as to what they will be producing uh, more than likely in 2024. Just these change of roles, um, the extra development in their game. He's he's kind of in the, um, I guess, the similar snapshot of like that uh, four to five year player that's ready to take the next step, like a Tom Green, like LDU, all those players. So uh, he's pretty much on that timeline there. And as we mentioned with the Herald Suns, uh, I guess, and Codes, um, article that looks into DPP for plays for 2024. He will maintain his mid-defensive status, despite the fact that he was playing pretty much full-time as a mid um, towards the end of the season. So thankful that Frio didn't throw him into the engine room any earlier. Otherwise, he probably would have lost his defensive eligibility. But I must say that his shift in role is very eerily reminiscent of Will Day this year, who started off in defense, of course. And... Um, I think off the back of this, Young's almost going to be a must-have breakout. I agree. I I like it. I like it quite a lot. Um, now I'm going to touch on. No, I'm going to leave it for the end. I'm going to leave okay. it for the end. Um, to talk about a bit bit of a formula. Um, that I think we can be looking to. Um, that I will credit some uh, pig mentality on Twitter. Ah, yes, of for, course, yeah. Um, produces some quality stuff. Yeah, but we'll, we'll we'll touch on that at the end. I do know I what think, you're referring to. I have seen this. Yeah, and I think Will Day fits spectacularly into this. Yeah, um, and I think there's a lot of stars aligning their new role or 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 a, or a role that gives him um, greater. Um, what's the word? Like scoring opportunity. Yeah, and, that's yeah. the words. Um, and his age demographic as well. So, yep, definitely think that Hayden Young should be one to consider, especially if this is the 517K mark. Um, I think he'll be a good option. Now let's move on to some Smokies. And these are guys who you could have a change of role or could be getting greater opportunity and potentially a higher uptick in their scoring. And first up, we've got one for the one for the defenders, and it is Kitty Coleman. 
um, 393K is where we expect him to be priced at roughly. And if Dan Rich is put out to pasture, Coleman is the man who will fill his shoes after showing glimpses of some solid scoring whilst Rich has left out of the side from round 13 onwards. During that time, which was his last 10 games of the season, he saw his average increase from 61.3 to 71.3 with a handy scores of 112, 88, 94, 116, and 82 amongst them. At a cheap price and with increased opportunity across that back line, um, he is certainly one to monitor over the preseason. Um, yeah. Yep. hundred percent. I really like the look of him. Uh, some people even spoke about him. I saw uh, leading into this season, but mm. so obviously with Dan Rich there, he was just cramping in his style. But so other guys we could potentially mention, Sheasel, who we spoke of as well, uh, is going to be priced around about 548. Uh, so not too expensive um, and a, still probably a juicy price point considering we know what he's able to produce. Um, so don't mind him. Ridley's another one, 522K. Yeah. If you want to go back to the well, I started with him uh, this season um, and came good later in the season when I jumped off him. But um, yeah, the guys of that ilk who, of course, no doubt we'll uh, discuss during the preseason next year. But uh, let's move on to the midfield and kick it off with a lock and load. And there's a few players here you could probably uh, put in this category, but I think for what he produces and what we know him as and, and what he can do, Clary Oliver, the pink sweaty pig, he's going to be priced at 664K, which is the lowest price point that he's had in three seasons, courtesy of first and foremost, his injury, but uh, that lowered output slightly, ever so slightly upon his return. Has normally been one of the more durable players in the competition as we touched on earlier. And recency bias with him having missed 11 games through injury in 2023 may in fact scare some mm. off. Meaning he starts the season at a lower ownership compared to previous years. So I don't mind that sort of strategic side of thinking. Um, people may have gotten by that stage and they just like, Clary Oliver, lock him in. Um, but I think some people will, I mean, it happened this year as well when we were sort of weighing up, do we go for Laird or do we go for Clary? Um we both went for Laird, bypassed Clary. Um, but uh, yeah, it just kind of, you need to weigh up the value side of things and what they can produce. So don't mind Clary Oliver. Um, and just, I, I just, I'm longing for that taste of the the juice, the pig juice, Liam. It's going to be a, a hard um, going cold turkey over the preseason, that's for sure. And I off agree. Season. I agree. It's going to be very tough. Um, but we're going to get through it. We're going to get through it. We've had 11 weeks without him. Yep. That's um, true. That's the start. We've weaned off. Yep. We've weaned off. <laughs> We've gone to rehab. <laughs> We've weaned off. <laughs> We're not going cold turkey. No, no, no. Okay. So it'll be okay. Lots of therapy. It's okay. Hmm. Moving on to the value option, and it is none other than Tuk Tuk Miller. He is going to be priced at around 537K. Mm. And That's... you know what? We could talk about steel, but mm. I don't want okay. to. So we're going to talk about Tuk Tuk instead, the Wouldn't running man. No, please, no. Like that <laughs> dog with the cupcake and the Vietnam flashbacks. <laughs> the flashbacks. <laughs> um, so that's yes. where you went the other week. When that you that is of, where I went. Where you was... went, almost went cross-eyed. That was uh, incredible. We couldn't quite pinpoint where you went, but maybe that was it. To another dimension where steel was actually a breakout. And steel yeah. was still was the number one super coach scorer. Multiverse of madness. Uh, yes. But uh, anyway, let's talk about the running man. He mm. looks almost to be the most value lock and load 
player with signs pointing towards a bounce back year in 2024 if he can remain fit. He started 2023 priced at 662.4K and in 2022 was 677.8K. So to get him at 537K, that is Mm. absolute juice. Absolute Juice. juice. Yeah. His, I just got to wipe the drool off my uh, off my chin after hearing that. Uh, running man juice. Um, his, <laughs> like the water his, boy. He is. You can play that role. Yes. His, uh, his year was mainly derailed by a knee injury that did see him miss 10 games. Again, like Clary, didn't realize it was that long. Yeah. Um, and he did struggle to recapture his early season form where he did average 115.4 upon return. But the main reason his score struggled was due to how the caretaker coach in Stephen King was playing him. First up, he was cramped up in the forward line. This, of course, obviously he was needing to regain his fitness, so we'll, we'll give him that. But yeah. then he missed out on those CBAs. And then when he was given CBAs, he was forced to play his old role as a negating tagger. Why? Seriously. Like, you don't... It's no sense. You don't take the Ferrari to get groceries. Yeah. <laughs> I think I could I could see where you're going with, but yeah, maybe maybe yeah. If you you wouldn't you take your Ferrari take, to go and get groceries in, you don't put a tow bar on your Ferrari. That's better. That's better. I like that. Can we I just like cut that. that first one out, please? Yeah, I'll edit that out. Don't <laughs> worry, I'll do that. I'll make make note to do that. <laughs> maybe I might forget. Um, now you can always say that. So you don't take your Ferrari to, um, get you know to do your do your weekly shopping. Yeah, exactly. In a small car park because you're gonna get like banged up and everything and exactly yeah it's not that's not how you use it you take it on the free freeway and you bloody you go wild you drive it yeah exactly you, you you drive it like it's meant to be driven yeah exactly you let the running man run like he's meant to run like um, forrest gump <laughs> just running he kept on running and running they just couldn't believe that somebody would do all that running for no particular reason why are you doing this i just felt like running and the leg um, brace just just came off him as he started yeah, running. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> come on, come on, Kingy. Yeah. Gotta gotta let him be. Uh, but <laughs> with with Dimmer Hardwick coming in, yeah. that's good signs. Good signs because he does not he oh, he he is not one for a tiger. No. So nope. Tung Miller gonna be absolutely driving the Ferrari down down speed. the freeway. Yeah, down, full speed. Yep, missing Head all the potholes. Yeah, um, just absolutely flying, because he is going to get to do exactly what he does best, and that is run around, rack up the pill, and just be the best tuk tuk Miller that we've ever seen. Yeah, a speedy tuk tuk. Exactly, exactly. We are going to see him rise. His average is going to rise back to the heights of one twenty point three that he did manage to post in twenty twenty two. I I think. Hundred uh, percent. He's he's going to be almost a lock and load. This could be another Jack Steele. <laughs> Knock on wood, it's not. But he it was obviously at a juicy price point that I started him at. Um, again, he's someone with a high floor, high ceiling, um, which I really do love, and I think that's part of the reason why you'd want to take a risk on him. But again, going through those factors that you mentioned and outlined, um, everything's coming up tuk tuk really. Um, so Ooh. I am keen as a bean. Uh, let's roll into, uh, the Smokies. Let's roll into Smokey. Yeah, that's a good one. Good one by me. Didn't even mean that. Um, but these are guys obviously, uh, who could benefit from a change in role and or getting greater opportunity, uh, with a high uptick, uptick in scoring. 
particularly with a few of these guys potentially being in different sides. Mm-hmm. First up, we have Dill Stevens, who's probably another guy who we haven't really spoken about, hasn't had much of an opportunity at Sydney. Um, and again, Sydney, they've, they've had a knack for having a few guys leave their team who have been come on to, to you know, become pretty good players, Tom Mitchell, uh, Jordan Dawson, and the like. So uh, could he be another youngster that's on the verge of a breakout? Um, I don't know. Was he been three years in the system now? Maybe going into four at a, at a guess. Um, so yeah, he is someone that you could potentially look at. Likewise, is Dev Robertson. So Dev Robertson, uh, WA boy, West Coast reportedly are going to offer him a four-year deal. I would as well. Get the hell out of Briz, Briz Vegas. Old man Fags. Just play him, mate. He's got skill. It just annoys me and annoyed me as an owner as well, as you can tell. But no, seriously, he is a very, very talented player. Um, so if he goes to West Coast, which I think by all reports he will, he's going to be a cash cow uh, to really look at. It'd be mm-hmm. interesting to see if he actually maintains any DPP status. So that'll be a nice um, bit of bonus as well. Uh, just looking at, uh, sorry, looking back at Dill Stevens, he'll be going into his fifth year. So again, in that breakout territory, four to five years, um, hasn't played too many games, has played a handful of games, but could be another one. Uh, and then lastly, Sheldrick. There's a few more, obviously, but uh, Sheldrick, we'll mention him, uh, was a breakout candidate for Sydney when he was actually on the park again, was pretty much stunted uh, for game time, uh, but needs to build up his tank by the looks of it. Uh, through increased opportunity and role, I think he could be someone to look out for. Yeah, I agree with all of those. Probably not one that's really a smoky, but Chad Warner, um, coming oh, yes, to the right age, probably going to be priced probably a bit too high for a smoky, but could be a nice pick. Um but yes, yep, I agree you. with all those guys. Um, again, I'll touch on, yeah, I, I think it'll be interesting to look at next season um, in the preseason to, before we start making calls. It's a bit hard at this stage. Yep. Let's move on to the rocks. Mm. Now we're going to call this lock and load, but there's a bit of a question mark here because I think, I think it's going to be interesting to see how we go next year because obviously we've got Tim English. I mean – He's reportedly going to be just under 700k, yeah. so 694. He's going to be very expensive. Um, so is he too expensive? Is it too much cash to be putting up on a forward? Is he going to regress potentially? Um, then you've got Gorn, you know, I don't even know what he'd be priced at. I'm just having a look at these thanks to Emper, yeah. So, um, um Gorney would be. 566 that's value to me yeah it is actually um yeah. but is he too old like Bundy's yeah. gonna be gone you'd expect like oh it's hard i don't know it's it's hard i think the ruck's gonna be an interesting one for next season we could be going back to gondi like mm. do we go back yeah. to the well um funny it, or does it become mm. english and grundy like yeah i think yeah, it's going to be, and this is, again, we're sort of um, veering into the part of sides for 2024 that's going to have the most differentiation across yeah. everyone's teams because there's no set and forget option now um, where, especially in the rucks, it's kind of like you have one or two big standard options like, you know, previous years gone by. Um, but, you know, now 
do you go for someone like an English who has shown his durability this year? Does that continue into next year at that higher price point? It's more of a risk um, and so on and so forth. So mm. that's something to factor in and consider. But uh, I think looking at it now and in terms of what I'm thinking of doing, this next guy who you mentioned as a value option he comes in at and could be among the biggest value for 2024, I think. Early call, of course, obviously. But Brody Grundy, he's going to be priced at 475K. 475k so so cheap and many forget just how potent he was uh and what he can be at the top of his game when played as the outright number one ruck we had a brief glimpse of it back in rounds three to five when he filled in for injured for the injured gorn and he scored 143 144 and 128 and it was no coincidence he only exceeded 100 once in the remaining 12 games that he played where he was instead the relief ruck and played mainly as a forward sydney have stated they are keen on him with their first choice Ruckman in Hickey retiring and their backup in Laddams, of course, unreliable. Um, mm. Likewise, Port Adelaide, they're keen to lure Grundy back home to South Australia. He is an SA boy with Lysett on the outer for parts of 2023 due to injury and form issues. And neither of those teams like really running a dual Ruck setup. Uh, Finn Layson at Port Adelaide, he has stepped in to fill the void at, at various stages. Sydney, They've got Amadi and McLean, but I think they'd prefer to have someone of Brody Grundy's ilk. And who wouldn't? I mean, when he's at the top of his game, he's hard to beat. So Grundy would have free reign at either of those sides. I did read today, actually, that I think he it was said, through John Ralph. Do you know? Yeah. Did you see it? I think I was about to bring it up. Yeah. Yep. And you it was... Can, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was literally <laughs> that he prefers, and no surprise here being an SA boy, that he'd be keen to go back yeah, and play in South Australia, which would obviously be at Port. Um, I think of those two sides, in terms of being, um, I guess, uh, selfishly looking at it from the Supercoach perspective, I would prefer him to be at Port Adelaide. Yeah. I think the midfield's better than, and it will be better, considering you know you've got Rosie, you've got Butters, you've got Horn Francis there developing as well, mm. who could again be another breakout option for next year. Um, really, really good players and candidates and a good midfield. Sydney have a good midfield in their own right. Um, but Goulden's more of a wingman nowadays. Uh, they've got Warner. They've got Parker aging. Um, I don't know. Mm. So yeah, I, th I think selfishly, I would love to see him at Port Adelaide. So if that, that is the case, uh, I am absolutely licking my chops and I'm almost ready to lock him in at this stage, provided of course that his, um, his durability and his fitness is at uh, its full peak heading into next year. Um, because I'll get into a little bit more, but uh, just first and foremost, his great historical run of form when he's at his peak is outright ruck. That's just so hard to ignore. Discounting his 2022 when he was injured for pretty much 90% of it, he averaged 115.2, a 120.6, 130, and a 130.5 across 2021, 2020, and 2019. And, and 20, 2018, sorry. So if you can average anywhere near those numbers, it's fair to say you'll be picking him up at a handy discount mm. of at least 100K minimum if he can reach those averages at least to 115. So I think he's he's almost a, a lock and load. And in that case, he'd be an R2. It's then a matter of deciding, well, with that extra savings in cash, could you then pour it into English, for example, because it's at a higher price point? Um, so if you're making a saving you know, in one part of your side or in one player, can you then potentially invest in a higher priced option like an English or a Gorn? Yes, I think so. I, I'm going to go. I'm going to go hard on this. 
I will almost say provided, as you said, provided he is fit. Um, if he is at a different club, if he is at Port Adelaide or Sydney, I can't see why we wouldn't be starting Brody Grundy. Like I would almost put him as a lock yep. provided he is obvious. I mean, fitness is a given, like that's any player. If they're not fit, I'm not picking them. But if he is a different club, I think he's a lock. Yep. Hands down for sure. Um, and I can't see him staying at Melbourne. Like I can't see, no. I can't see him being no there. The, the, I think they'd, they'd prefer to see him because he's, he's actually such a nice bloke as well. Um, obviously I worked with him when I was at the pies and yeah. he's, he's someone that you'd love to have around the club. And I think considering that he wouldn't put anyone offside. And I think amicably they'll just be like, no, nah, let's come to an agreement. And you know, you're not going to get much of an opportunity at the D's like we thought you would, which kind of looking back, it, it was a silly trade anyway for Melbourne. Um, it didn't really make sense. It didn't at all. Like we spoke about it as well. And he's not much of a, a forward, really. He's just a ruckman and almost an extra midfielder in the mm. way that he plays. So with Gorn already being there at the helm, it was very, very strange. But um, as you said, he could be a lock and load. Yeah, agreed. Now let's move on to the Smokies. And I mean, there's always a lot of players like a lot of rucks that, you know, we can be considering Um, Briggs could be a smoky um, potentially, Uh, you know, the likes of um, Draper, TDK, all those guys um, could be, could be options, but I think a good smoky that we consider is Sean Darcy, especially if he does get a trade across to Geelong. Um, we've seen what he can do. Like he's, he's a decent ruck and I think potentially being based in Melbourne or based in Victoria with, with a lesser travel load, um, could see him just absolutely flying. Um, yeah. Sometimes that change of scenery can just, uh, just take them up to the next level. Um, so that'll be interesting to see. I probably wouldn't necessarily be touching him at this stage, uh, but one to consider. The other one as well, uh, and it's going to be very, very similar to, um, remember Naismith, who was yeah. around about that 250 mark or thereabouts, and people started him in R2, obviously went down with the knee injury, but someone who could be around about that mark, and don't know his full price, I don't know if Emper's listed him there, but Jordan Sweet, uh, he's mm. now priced at 350, uh, didn't actually play a game this year, so we'll get a discount. Um, don't know if he's going to be below 300k, but... For those who like to live dangerously, and all reports are he's going to be, um, you know, cherry picked by another side, desperate for a ruck. Maybe Geelong go for him. Maybe Sydney go mm. for him uh, if they miss out on on Brody Grundy. So uh, he might be another one to look at as well. But uh, there's a few other options, as you said, uh, which we'll delve into at some point during the preseason. Yeah, but let's round it out. Oh, sorry, yes, did you? No, no, that's it. Yep. Uh, let's round it out with the forward to finish and. Um, Let's kick it off with a lock and load. And Sam Flanders, we're both familiar mm. with this boy. Um, and he could be someone that uh, we'll look back and say that we, we saw this coming. We saw it coming. We we're, were ahead of our time. And we'll, mm. we'll continue saying that anyway. <laughs> Even if we weren't. We were. But we were, actually. Um, and he is going into next season as a mid-forward. He's keeping that DPP, thankfully. Um, and at a price point, a juicy price point at 487K for 2024. So he's going to be, I reckon, the most selected forward in Supercoach, he could be the Errol Goulden of 2024. Uh, I'm going to say that right now. Mid-forward status, um, increased opportunity, showing his wares like Goulden did, that you pinpointed, Liam, with your crystal ball, of course. Um, but 
from round 15 to 24, he averaged 106.1 with scores across that time, including yeah. 100, 119, 125, 113, 130, and a 121. And this increase in scoring correlated, as we said, uh, you know, caretaker coach uh, King shifting him from his high half forward role in the into the engine room with 38.2% CBAs across those 10 games, compared to 7.75 in his previous four games before he was dropped to the VFL by Stewie Jew. Gee whiz. He, he just couldn't see the talent, the writing on the wall um, for, for good old Ned. As a fifth-year player in 2024, he does fit the statistical breakout point aligned, say, with Tom Green, LDU, who we spoke of, and like we saw this season, who benefit, benefited from increased opportunity, which Flanders mm. started getting in the back part of 2023. So he's virtually a cheat code, I think, uh, heading in to 2024, much like Hayden Young. So I am very, very excited for him. I agree. I agree. I won't have FOMO this time with Sam Flanders. Nope. Because I'll be starting him and I won't have, I won't be thinking about FOMO with Sam Flanders. Um, but yes, I mean, there's not much more to say about him. I think what we've seen this season, he, he does, he reminds me a little bit of Goulden there. Um, where you can sign of see where is what's going to happen. It'll come down to their, um, how Dimmer does want to play him as well, I guess. Um, but you'd think that the way that he's been playing in recent weeks that um, they'd want to continue that and, um, yeah, let him shine, I guess, um, in that role. Let's move on, though, to the value option. And uh, probably more of a lock and load, but comes in at a pretty good value price considering we know what his score can do in comparison to the price point of 539k and it is luke jackson who will be a ruck forward we saw what he's capable of when he was handed the outright ruck mantle while uh, our boy hodor was out injured and it translated to scores of 187 173 124 123 and 101 the best part is that he will be keeping his dpp status as a ruck forward for 2024 so will be among the most selected in our forward lines for the season and will provide instant cover in the ruck line, which is a bonus. His scoring ceiling may be capped once Hodor returns, but it will absolutely explode if Darcy is traded to Geelong, like some of the media have speculated. If Darcy's not there next year, then I just think you have to pick Luke, uh, Luke Jackson as your F1 or 2 or whatever he ends up being, but as as a forward. Yep. 100%. And yeah, similar to like a Darcy, people are wrestling. Do I go with Darcy Cameron? Do I start with him? Um, don't, won't need to anymore, um, which I don't think we can anyway. Darcy Cameron will be a ruck only, but thank God for that because um, he's done me over in my uh, bloody league finals. But yeah, Luke Jackson, just having that DPP eligibility, as you said, it's just going to be super, super handy. That's for sure. Uh, and rounding us out, Liam, for the Smokey, he's got a few up forward. And again, as we spoke of with the ruck line, the forward line is going to be outside of these two guys here. Uh, from F3 to F6, it's going to be uh, very, very different, I think. There's a few Smokies here. There's McRae, obviously. Uh, could he bounce back? Depends mm. if he goes to another side. If Bevo gets the sack, maybe he might be someone that uh, you could jump on. Maybe he recaptures that old form of old. Yeah. Uh, Bailey Smith as well. Again, yep. same category. Is he traded? Is Bevo sacked? Could he get more opportunity? Surely uh, Bevo's not sacked. He's never sacked. He should have been sacked. Surely not. Seasons ago. 
Surely yes. not. I mean, they did make the finals. Surely. Um, the others, uh, obviously Ben Keys as well, um, who served us nicely when he was playing almost a full-time mid-role. It begs the question as well, uh, Matt Crouch, uh, mm-hmm. who's someone we could have spoken about in the midfield as well, because um, he's pretty much a certainty to be at a different club. If he does go, does that mean that Keys gets an opportunity back into the midfield full-time? Who knows? Uh, as a mid-forward, that'd be handy. Uh, Shea Bolton, uh, increased opportunity. Maybe does Dusty go to Gold Coast? Um, does that free up some even extra time in the midfield for Bolton? Um, he's kind of a, an enigma uh, that I don't trust. Um, no. So I don't know, but yeah, he's someone that uh, people might be keen on. Uh, Tom Lynch and um, mm-hmm. Liam Ryan as well. Uh, Liam Ryan isn't always get these confused. Yeah, Liam, Liam Ryan from West yeah. Coast who might get a bit of a discount uh, on his price, and likewise Tom Lynch, considering they were injured for a bulk of the season. So. They could be uh, sort of high-priced rookies, mid-priced options that, uh, barring injury, could make us some handy cash and maybe even operate as an F6 type player. Yep, <sighs> I agree. Before we jump into captaincy, Joe Damon, yes. I want to talk about this theory. It's from Pig oh, yes. Mentality. Check it out exactly. on on Twitter, at pig underscore mentality. Um, he's got a recent post on from the 28th, so 20th of August at 4.22 p.m. 4.22 p.m. Um, and basically he's just sort of created this idea, not created this idea, but sort of found this correlation between the breakouts and the games played. So if we look at this year, for instance, some of the breakout players we might be talking about are Noah Anderson, Caleb Sarong, Luke Jackson to an extent, Taron Thomas, Errol Goulden, Tom Green, they've all played between the 40 to 60 games prior to the 2023 season starting. So basically what you're looking for is players that have played 40 to 60 games um, before the next season, and they're the ones that are potentially going to be in that breakout period. So, I mean, Goulden's talk speaks for himself. Tom Green, likewise. Um, Noah Anderson increased his average from uh from 100 in season 2022 to 104 almost 105 in 2023 so we're seeing that increase in average and that that potential breakout um so if we look towards this year players that are yeah in that 40 to 60 games having finished the season at this stage you've got Chad Warner who's sitting at 59 games um, Hayden Young, who we've spoken about at 57 games, Will Day, 54 games, um, Sam Flanders, 44, Jai Newcomb, another one we could be considering at 51 games, um, Nasiah Wanganin Malira at 40 games. All these guys are ones that we could be considering for next season. So, yeah, something to look at um, and consider before you, when, when you start looking at your side for 2024 is uh, these are the kind of guys we might consider as your, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Your mid-price breakout players um, who might break into that top, you know, six to eight to 10 of their position. Yep, 100%. We spoke of it uh, ever so briefly in the preseason about that because Jaden Papowski, who does some awesome statistical work, he's a guru on Twitter, does some stuff for the DT Talk Boys or the Traders, as they're now known. Um, And he went through and pinpointed as well. Morrow is Magic also discussed it. And it was, yeah, to do with the sort of number of games played, um, you know, the years they've been in the system, 
Uh, and then obviously if it correlates with, you know, a growth in role, like, you know, with Hayden Young, for example, uh, classic example there, um, you know, Flanders. So all these guys, as you mentioned, um, are the guys that we'd want to be looking at uh, as sort of the next tier coming up um, as breakout candidates, because they occur every single season. Uh, and it's just a matter of jumping on them at the right time. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll kind of delve into that in a bit more detail um, across yeah. the preseason because uh, we, we spoke of it when we spoke about Tom Green and LDU um, and they were both half decent options uh, when at full flight, obviously, and injury free. So we'll chat about that in the preseason for next year, uh, but something to keep an eye on early days. But Liam, it's that time to, uh, I guess, sail back to shore and hang up ye captaincy hat for season 2023. But before we do, let's announce it. Let's do it together, Liam. It's I'm the captain. Look at me. I'm Done now. Yeah, sorry, I forgot about the toot So, Liam, with that, what came of our head-to-head captaincy comp? What happened there? Yes. So with my last pick of the season, I had first pick. With Timmy English, you scored 103, and that left you, Damon, with the option of anyone else. And you picked... Marcus Bontempelli, who scored 146, which did net you another win, which got you to 14 wins to my 10 for the season, and which gives you the win. Well done. So that's the head-to-head scorecard with a margin of 280 in your favor as well. Very well done there, Damon. Clean sweep. Clean sweep. Let's uh, let's hang up. It's already hanging up, actually. You can see it. If you're watching on YouTube, it is – sorry, let me just – Go to the side there. You'll see my captaincy hat is already hanging up uh, on the old, ye old uh, framed poster of Juddy, Gibbs, Murph, Walker, Eddie Betts, and Cruiser. It'll be Cruz. Cruz. Uh, all of our number one picks. And uh, yeah, nothing to show for it. And Juddy, of course. But uh, anyway, hanging up the hat and for another season, Liam. So it's going to be, I actually might go and wear it out in public. What do you reckon? Just get yeah, some extra sure. wear out of it. Yeah, yeah. Wear, it, wear it around. When I'm flying my uh, my private jet and, exactly. and in my yacht sailing, of course, as well. Yeah, just, you know, go into like Coles and ask people to skip the queue because you're like a captain and you need to get back to Because I'm the captain here. now. Because you need to get back to the, the ship quicker. Um, yeah, the ship that know. I parked. That I parked to, in the to car To a park. private jet that's, that's parked on the roof. Exactly. Yeah. Actually, I might take it to, um, you know, where I would fit in because um, Ash and I, the wife, of course, we're heading on our honeymoon uh in october and i wouldn't look out a place at vegas i reckon if i was wearing that around yeah, i reckon people wouldn't even look twice at me no they'd be like yep yeah, he's meant to be here yeah just a captain you, just, just... you know what just wear it at the airports just just see where you can get because <laughs> it, it definitely looks like a legit captain's oh, hat, captain's hat. Yeah. you look like you're gonna be a pilot yeah a pilot <laughs> a pilot and and a pirate be like that Simpsons episode where um, Homer's drinking at the the pilot's bar, <laughs> yes, and they make him fly a plane because he's not drunk. Yeah, exactly. That 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 that'd be me. That'd be me. Yeah, yeah I might do it. I, I don't I don't know if um if Ash is gonna let me uh, pack. She's imagined like just me 
unpacking my uh, suitcase and she's like seen just, a captain. Just the just that. That's all you packed. Yeah, that's literally just just an empty empty suitcase with the hat. <laughs> that's all I need. That'll get me into anywhere. Exactly. Thinking I'm a pilot. Uh, classic. It'll be like catch me if you can. Like pretending to be a, a pilot. Is it also know. like you know how they there's the theory that if you wear high vis and carry a ladder around, you can just get into anywhere. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's true. So just test this out. Get 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 the hat. See if you can yeah. get, get into anywhere you want. Exactly. I'm. I'm. Oh, well, we're actually heading Skip to the some. Line. Um, yeah, we're going to an NFL game in New York as well. Oh, yeah. Um. So I might actually uh, waltz in there, and you know they've got like big respect for like the Marines and um you know anyone serving. They might send me with a captain's hat on, and they'll be like, "Are you are you the captain of like a ship? Because you know you're part of the navy." And I was like, "Well, I could be." And then they could put me yeah, up and in you can say front row you're seats. The captain now. Exactly. And I just say, I'm the captain now and get in anywhere. The perks. But uh, until all that to say, until next season, Liam, it'll be hanging up. Uh, and uh, I'll be walking around with a, a bit of a limp peg leg hook, patch over the eye, and we'll look out of place until then. But uh, Liam, before we wrap things up and put a bow on season 2023, Ooh. we have some league and group results to run through and winners to crown. So let's yes. kick it off with the Supercoach Edge Cup group. Yes. Our Supercoach Edge Cup public group winner is, drumroll please, Ooh. Adam with his team all too hard who came home with an absolute wet sail. Well done on that, mate. He had a round score of 2,773 and went from 21st place up to 17th. So, absolutely solidified that top 20 finish. Yep. hundred percent. Well done there to you. And I think, was he, was he pretty much like in front for most of the season? I think so. I will have him? to go back and check. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe we'll, uh, we'll do it for, for next season uh, and might even try and get him on maybe for a bit of a chat across the preseason, mm. if he's keen to jump on. Um, likewise, this next guy um, who we'll talk about uh, in the Patreon exclusive group side of things, but first the top scorer for the round in our Supercoach Edge Cup public group, was the Candy Merchant. Round score of 2,878 and round rank of 33rd overall. So absolutely smashed it. Overall rank was 7,608. And uh, the name is Todd. Hot Toddy. Uh, that applies. Oh. Hot Toddy here with his, uh, the Candy Merchant selling candy left, right and center. He did on the weekend. So well done. Nice way to finish off the season, mate. Very well done. So now let's look at the Patreon exclusive group. Now it was an absolutely hard fought affair between Damon, yourself, and Jonas Goat. Yes, you. And the winner, the final winner, who is it? Is it you, Damon? Or is it is it T Prestitutes Inc.? It is. T Prestitutes Inc. Sorry, Damon. But uh, Jonas Goat, he came home with a wet sail. And you, Damon, I'm gonna I'm gonna be harsh. Yep, you capitulated. Yeah, with Doc. No, that's true. Continuing your lack of primos or just the primo outs, um, with on top of Walsh for the previous four weeks and Dacos as well, he was just too good, taking out top spot by 346 points in the end. Damon, you always you got close. You were 91 points behind a couple of weeks ago, so not not too bad. He was teasing me. That's what it was. It was literally just dangling the carrot. He's like, "Here, grab it," and then just kept running. And uh, I think he said at one stage, he's like, nah, don't worry, you're going to catch me. I've got, I'm going to cop a zero. Nick Minute, 
he's like got a spare trade and, and traded someone in or had someone that could could fill in mm. of of you know decent worth. So you, you you got me, Jonas. Well done. Well done indeed. Tip of the cut to you. His dominance there. Mm-hmm. Did, like this just shows it. He also nabbed the highest score for the round in round 24. So his score was 2,715, which saw him with a 300 uh, ranked 364th for the round. Gee whiz. Well done there. And tip of the cap, of course, to you, Jonas Goat. And thank you as well for all your support, tuning in uh, to our lives and tuning in, of course, to podcasts and vodcasts on the weekly. Uh, You are a good source of humor, of course, uh, in the live chat. Uh, throwing out your unique nicknames for players and um, <laughs> and uh, yes, kind of just just teeter on the edge uh, of going over the line uh, as we always do here. So you're quite welcome to do so. Um, so thank you for your support. But Liam, in terms of our Patreon exclusive Supercoach Edge Cash League, now Matthew, aka Empire, as we all know him, was facing off against me. Yeah, both teams did struggle with mm. Matt copping a donut due to Chesser, your boy. Uh, or your my boy, your black sheep of, of, uh, of super coach not being picked, and likewise, I played with a virtual donut with Chin Cotter's twenty six, which was very Chesser like, uh, ironically, filling in for the injured doc. But mm. thankfully, that didn't prove the difference with my team victorious by eighty two points with his final very scores nice. two thousand six hundred sixteen to two thousand five hundred and thirty four. Liam. Whilst I was victorious, we mentioned that if either of us was to win this Patreon exclusive Supercoach Edge Cash League, we'd be ineligible for the top prize. And the upside to me winning is the fact that we'll be putting the prize money, not in our pockets, but towards purchasing a gift for every single one of the six legends in the Patreon Cash League as a way of thanks for their support across the season. So in essence, you should all be really thanking Matt for falling short. And another way to look at it, alternatively celebrating my win. So I need as much support as I could get. So get around me. But um, to Matt, Brett, Wade, Scott Arthur, Dylan, and Peter, I don't think I've missed anyone there, apart from ourselves, obviously. We can't thank you enough for your next level support. Many of whom have supported us from year one right through until now. So rusted on fans, rusted on supporters, and you are all true legends. I mean, we are grateful for everyone tuning in, um, whether it be through the podcast and vodcast, but with this, they support us financially as well in some way, shape or form um, and get to participate in the cash league, of course. And uh, they get to benefit from this. And um, if you can slide into our DMS, which uh, a few have uh, looking for potentially triple chili pie type picks, feet pictures, all that Mm. sort of stuff, as we know, Liam, um, you can slide into our DMS on Facebook or Twitter and you can let us know your postal address uh, that'd be great. And we'll organize getting those special goodies sent out your way. Agreed. Very nice, Liam. Well, that brings us to the end of the show and the end of season 2023. Let's all let out a collective, oh, but also a, a sigh because it's uh, it's been that sort of year. Yeah, and um, we've been crawling to the finish line, but we are here. But before we go, and I'm going to pass the baton to you, Liam, we have a special announcement, which is what we sort of uh, detailed at the start of the show. Yes. So we've had a few people ask us, uh, reach out. They've asked us some questions. You know, what are you going to do with the YouTube net handle now that Supercoach has finished up? And, you know, what are we going to do? You know, there's still there's still finals going. And they were asking because they were keen to hear, hear what us continue on in the form of releasing weekly apps just over the finals and 
talk a bit more generic footy as a you know a re- review or a preview show. So the call was made. Um, you know, Damon and I went into intense negotiations um, <laughs> with ourselves. We, we squabbled over um, over. Oh, who's going to get access to the red snakes? Yeah, um, Morrow bars. Um, exactly. There was you know some intense negotiations, but uh, we we have we have made the call, and we have answered. Um, we'll be back. We will be back. Yeah, we will be back next week. See, it's the buy. We got the even though even though it's the buy, and we should be having some time off. <laughs> we will be using it. Uh, but of course, re-energized because we're really talking about footy mm. more generally and um, discussing a few more things, which is going to be uh, very exciting and, and something new, something to freshen us up. So, um, and I guess considering that a majority of these episodes late in the season have been sort of more shifting towards that content wise anyway, it's virtually business as usual. So you'll catch us releasing weekly eps across the final series up until the end of the 2023 season where we'll be dissecting the finals, previewing those upcoming, of course, along with other topical discussion points, such as the Brownlow, All-Australian, and more. So make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel and hit the notification bell to be notified of when our eps drop. And if you want to keep across the content in other ways and be reminded of, um, yes, this new, the new ways you can listen to us, uh, you can follow us on YouTube. Just search Supercoach Edge, and please don't forget to like and subscribe. And on Twitter slash X, uh, you'll find us at, at Supercoach underscore Edge. David at, at Demo J eighty eight. Myself at, at Liam Evans underscore ninety five. And on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok, search Supercoach Edge, and that's where you'll find us. Very nice. Well, to end things, Liam, I must first and foremost give some thanks, as we will. But uh, I must thank you, Liam for being uh, the the tried and true um, support beam uh, throughout the entire season. You know, the times there where I've, I've kind of made a bad trade, I've dropped my head, you've lifted me up, and I, I hope I did likewise to you. Yes, but you uh, butt it up every single week. You helped out with the run sheet. Uh, times when I was busy at work, um, you know, you delved into it and, and, and so on and so forth. So you have been... Absolutely stellar. You have been the primo of primos. Oh, You've been better than Jack nice, Steele. That's 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 I can say to say that. That's, that's that's not the compliment you think it is. But... <laughs> In fact, you know, I'm gonna say you are the Errol Golden of Supercoach oh. Edge for 2023. Oh, and no, I know no. that's that's I'm the not, highest of praise. I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy to, to, <laughs> to worthy. have my name said in the same sentences as yeah. the, as the big man. Uh but no, you, you you've been great. So thank you, and it's been awesome fun as always. Uh how many how many episodes that we've done now? I think we, you mentioned. Oh, we can't. I counted it before. Was it thirty something. It was like thirty or forty or something. Yeah, for this season. Oh, so it was it's the most episodes. Massive effort. From us most both. episodes that uh, that we've done uh, of any season. This is our third date, of course. Thirty-seven. No wonder we're absolutely cooked. Um, yeah, and going delirious, cross-eyed, all mm. that sort of stuff. And I must thank you as well for those moments of delirium that you. Uh, you've pepped me up. You've I got don't me even in the know zone. what I did that day. I, I don't, don't know where I went. It needs to happen again because it's one of the funniest things I've witnessed uh, <laughs> on stream, so uh, on record. So thank you for that. But um, aside from yourself, Liam, of course, we must thank our loyal listeners and viewers. Of course. Who, you know, we wouldn't do what we do without them tuning in each and every week. Uh, we put up a little message on Twitter. We will do this on, on Facebook as well in case you missed it. But um you know, we see the positive feedback that comes through, the kind words of support, messages, you know, of course, those ones detailing how 
you know, they followed our advice and they won a crucial league game off the back of that. Ooh. You know, there's there's no better feeling when we see that happening. So a special thought a special um, shout out to them, but also as we as we mentioned, those who support us through Patreon, um, they are truly a special bunch. So you know, it, it means the absolute world to have their support. So thank you so much, and we also want to thank those guests that came on throughout the season: Supercoach yeah. Masters, the Scottfather, Supercoach with DR, Shorty's Supercoach, um, Joe from Center Bounce, and the Center Bounce, of course, as well with Big J. And to finish things off, Liam. Must say it's been an absolute pleasure again in our third season providing content as always. And been. we hope you've been able to learn something from us along the way. We've been crazy, Liam. We've lost our marbles. You probably more so than but, me. But different times. Yeah, we never had any marbles never to begin with to marbles. lose. <laughs> but off the back of that, uh, we hope that um, you know, if you haven't learned something, which I'm sure you probably would have, but uh hopefully we have brightened up your day with our ridiculous banter and you know the endless memes and pop culture references, yes. especially the Simpsons ones as well. They've been uh, good fun to uh, to work in. But um, that's it. That's us, Liam. Another mammoth episode, another mammoth season to finish off. Um, so in ending, don't forget to look out for our AFL uh, chat. I don't know what we're going to call it. We'll come up with some sort of name. Let us know if you've got a name in mind. Um, yeah. I don't know. I haven't really thought that far. <laughs> it's kind of been on a whim. We can't put it to a public vote because it'll come back as like episode, make episode face or something. Oh, yes. Actually, that's a good idea. We might do that. <laughs> I don't know. We'll have a think. We got some time anyway before we uh we record, but look out for that, of course, next week. But um, let's just say enjoy your super coach off season. You enjoy your super coach off season, Liam, because I know you are super keen for some downtime. Um, who knows if we do AFLW fantasy, we might do that. I'm probably gonna any... jump straight back in, let's be honest. Yeah, we're absolute nuffies. It just any form of fantasy super coach, we're going to do it. I'm looking forward to NFL fantasy as well. It just never ends uh, much to the the disappointment of my wife, but that's it, Liam. Let's clock off. Let's uh, ride off into the sunset uh, towards 2024. And we'll see you all again on YouTube. You'll hear us in the airwaves on podcast form to do it all again in 2024. So as we always say, we'll see you same time, same place, just in 2024. We'll see you then. Catch you guys. 